0: Flying babies fly away, crying babies, crying babies get devoured. Little bones go crunch, grunge, crunch, 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 while the wolves, wolves they munch, 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 munch. Flying babies fly away, crying babies get devoured. Little bones go crunch, 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 crunch. while the wolves they munch, munch, munch.
1: Flying babies fly away,
0: crying babies get devoured. Little bones go munch, crunch, 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 crunch. while the wolves they munch, munch, munch. munch. So, an so explanation story behind that. Um both of my kids were very colicky and if you think about nursery rhymes and uh and uh, uh the things you sing to babies. So you think of rock by baby, right? Yeah. Baby's up in a in a treetop, the branch breaks, the whole thing comes crashing down, everybody dies. It's Horrible. terrible. <laughs> and um so both of my kids were colicky. And we're talking, you know, three o'clock in the morning, bouncing somebody on a a yoga ball, trying really hard to sort of contain your thoughts and how tired you are. And um, so this is something that I began repeating over and over again as calm and soothing away as I could. Eventually, uh, eventually, uh, young Henry would fall asleep and it was all good. And it gave me an enormous amount of pleasure to know that um, no one was falling out of a branch. Mm-hmm. No one, got mm-hmm. eaten. no one got eaten. Uh, and you know, the relevance in, 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 yeah. uh, in view of uh, Heather's current condition, I thought it would be a really great thing for her to take home. And
2: um, you're still away as away, right? Five weeks.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still away as away. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that would be a first on the show. <laughs> <laughs> if that were to happen, that'd be a first. But uh, welcome back, Chris. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Good Thank, you very, you, Thank totally you very much. Thank you very much. I mean, I still have. I mentioned that I had there, and you you actually brought me a little. I love it. It's great. It's amazing. I'm gonna enjoy it. It won't stay here. This one's gonna go home. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Whatever
0: no. you need. Whatever you want to do. No, 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 it. One hundred percent. It looks 100% great. Thank 100% you so much.
3: much. You brought a couple of friends now. I did. All right. So we have Sarah right across from me, and we have Heather on the other end there. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves and uh, your official title?
4: Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, my name's Sarah, and I'm a level two carpentry apprentice. What's your last name, Sarah? Blackler. Sorry. Blackler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah. All right. No, it's so funny. It's such a, like, I feel like it's very common last name, and a lot of people get it wrong, so. How's it spell? Uh, B-L-A-C-K-L-E-R. I get a lot of blacker.
3: Yeah, oddly enough. What's the origin of that?
4: Uh, I have a feeling it's probably like they were a blacksmith, uh, i'm probably like english or german or something okay. like that well,
3: that's nice yeah all right yeah but now you're woodworker cabinet maker
4: uh no i'm a carpentry Car- apprentice
3: carp apprentice
4: yes yeah so i'm in level two I'm how many more up. hours do you have left i have i just double checked my hours i'm just over halfway through so 8,000, so f- just over 4,000
3: hours okay, right now. Well, so. we'll get into that. There's a yeah. lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. And so you work with Millennium Construction and Design Inc., right? That's correct, yeah. And what's the social? Do you know offhand? Is it under that same title? I Probably. do believe
4: it's underneath the same title or it's like Mill Co. or something like that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Millennium Construction and Design
3: Incorporated. I'm excited about this, Chris, because I'm glad that you set this up. We haven't talked wood on the show for a long, long time. It's all about plumbers and concrete lately.
4: I noticed that. No <laughs> offense
3: <laughs> to plumbers and concrete. But it's good to get back on the wood train, you know what I mean? Totally agree. So we're going to talk. Now, Heather, Mm -hmm. you work for Covenant as well.
2: I do, yes. Your Um, official title there? I'm a cabinet maker. I'm a Red Seal cabinet maker, so I went through the apprenticeship stuff as well. Um, I did a three-year woodworking technology program at Conestoga, so I kind of went a different route. I was exempt from the schooling portion of the apprenticeship, kind of skipped that, but I went ahead and wrote the exam two Augusts ago, so...
3: Are you glad that you went that route?
2: I really liked the three-year program okay. at Conestoga. Yeah. All right.
3: I haven't heard a negative thing about that school. Mm. Not a single negative thing. It's about a phenomenal it. facility. Yeah. Yeah, 55,000
0: right. square feet of shop space with everything in it. And the people who know how to
3: Generations it. of mm-hmm. talented, skilled people that are coming out of there and also that are there teaching, Yep. which is what is valuable. Yes. Mm-hmm. But now you've been at Covenant for how long?
2: I've been working with Chris for about six years. Okay. So, following him around.
3: <laughs> and now we have Chris McCaskill back. Yeah, thrilling, thrilled to be here. And you have an official title now? You were mentioning off mic before we get started? That's right.
0: Well, and um, I mean, I guess if there's anything uh, sort of significant for me lately, it's that um, we recently dissolved McCaskill-Heindel Design Build, Inc., and so I am... The retired president of um, McCaskill Handel Design Build Inc. End of an era. End of an era, <laughs> and, and we have we have joined Covenant Construction, where I am playing the role of director of craft.
3: Okay, we're going to get into that. Sure, because I don't necessarily know what that is, but I'm still figuring. Explain the tiny bit. So obviously, you can find you on IG under your name, Chris McCaskill, uh, M C K A S K E L L. Uh, and then under Covenant Construction also on uh, IG, and then the email is info, probably info at Covenant Construction.
0: Yeah, and people are always willing um, um, to reach out. Yeah, people are welcome to to reach me. I'm very easy to find.
3: (laughs) Uh, Quick shout-out. I'm wearing JR's T-shirt today, uh, JR Windows and Doors. Uh, Thanks so much, Joe. And then I also want to say that uh, Tools in a Trade, I don't know, I think we, we did a show, I don't know, you probably heard on the show. They're doing extremely well. Uh, they just shared some information with me. Uh, 71 school boards across Ontario are using the, pro- the boot camp. Uh, they've got... Uh, 300 unique employers representing all sectors and skilled trades that are looking at these kids that are coming to these boot camps and checking them out and hiring them, which is great. They're getting all kinds of registered apprentices, employers joining the the group. Um, They're doing amazing things. So they just sent me that. And I got a nice card from out west. Uh, We did a show with the British Columbia Construction Safety Association, also known as the BCCSA. Uh, It's nice to have a card where there's not that many four-letter words in it. So it's great that they sent me a nice little thank you (laughs) for the experience. They enjoyed it. It was a really good show where we talked a lot about safety and in all fairness BC is doing a lot better than we are here in Ontario mm. uh, well I mean fewer people yeah. but they have stricter guidelines there so that's what we talked a little bit on the show about which is good and they're trying to bring it here to Ontario so good for them and I also want they sent me socks and they sent me a hoodie nice they sent me a bunch of stuff that I got that I'll be wearing eventually unleash your voice on the Construction Life podcast community are you passionate about the world of construction trades and all things building related the Construction Life podcast wants to hear from you Leave us a review, share your thoughts, insights, and experiences on your favorite podcast channel. Your review fuels our mission to create engaging and informative content for the construction community. Your feedback is the mortar that holds our podcast together. Share your thoughts, rate us, and let the construction community know why The Construction Life is your go-to podcast. Visit our website and check out the nearly 500 tradespeople and construction professionals listed on the site. Connect with all of them. Check us out at www.theconstructionlife.com for additional content, behind the scenes exclusives and valuable resources. Dive deeper into the construction world with articles, guest profiles and more. Follow us on Instagram at TCL underscore the construction life. Follow us on TikTok under the same handle and tweet us at TCL construction. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our link tree and find exclusive discounts for listeners. Link is in the IG bio. Join the conversation on Facebook, the Construction Life Community. Um, that's the extent of my little spiel. And now we're gonna talk about wood.
4: Nice. <laughs> that episode, by the way, is on my list. I was like scrolling through this people morning People I a was list like working now to out. Go yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot,
3: right? So yeah. I get a lot of people sending me a message going, Can you please slow down? Because I can't keep up. Your
4: output seems quite high.
3: Well, you know what? People reach out and, and then I'm like, sure, let's sit down and it's talk. Amazing. I wanna talk. So yeah. I think I need to take a break soon. Breaks are good. Maybe get into it. I miss smell of wood. Yeah. Yeah. I got to come up to you guys and get into the shop. You are always yeah. welcome to come by. I don't think I'll leave. That's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. It smells so good in there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start off with, I know a little bit about Chris, but why did you guys get into it? I'm curious about that. Why? What was that moment where you guys thought this is what I want to do?
2: Do you want to go first? Um, I took a really roundabout. Route into woodworking. Um, like in high school, I thought I would maybe go into accounting, and then I ended up going into. That's across the
3: hall, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: I actually went to Ryerson for photography for two years. Were you in the
3: Bond Building or
2: the Bond, Bond Street Bond Street Building? Like right downtown?
3: Yeah, the really ugly white one that they never put any money into. That's where the film. Mm-hmm. That's where I went way <laughs> back when. So I think it's in the same building.
2: Probably, um, like Gerard Street was where the residence yeah. was. Um, Um, so that was supposed to be a four-year program. I did two years, and then I took some time off, um, wondering what the heck to do, and I toured Conestoga's woodworking facility, and I saw other women on the shop floor, and that was encouraging. Were you
3: nervous that there wasn't going to be?
2: I don't know why I was, but yeah, I was. Oh, okay. Um, and I just signed up for that uh, three-year program and loved every moment of it.
3: What was the first thing that you learned? What was the first lesson that they teach you in there?
2: um, we had a materials course that was really cool, like talking how about how a tree grows like it was that in depth mm. i I just really loved how in depth that whole program was. Did
3: they compare wh- how it was and how it is today?
2: Mm. um we talked about like forest sustainability yeah. strategies and stuff like that um yeah. Not that
3: would have been interesting. Yeah, yes, need to learn that. Yeah. Okay, and then Sarah, you're.
2: Yeah,
4: I also came kind of a roundabout way. This is a second career. So I originally went to school out of high school um, for fitness and health promotion, and I worked as a personal trainer and a yoga teacher and a mindfulness instructor for over ten years. So had a bit of a change uh, during COVID. I think a lot of people went through like mm. very serious changes and realized that I had no work life balance which was quite ironic because that's what I was teaching everybody else to have. And I realized that I, I needed to change my whole view on what I was going to do for the rest of my life. So I took almost a full year off and I, you know, kind of tried to, am I going to go back to school? Am I going to, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to commit to a four year? I had been to university as well for two years and hated it. So I'm like, that's not for me. And I helped my stepdad refinish this pontoon boat. And I was wearing like overalls and like holding a drill. And I'm like, this feels pretty good, I like this. And I started looking at pre-apprenticeship programs cause I really didn't have any experience with tools. Like maybe had used a drill like a couple of times. And I found one. It wasn't going to work for me. And then I found the WIST program at Conestoga, which is a one-year pre-apprenticeship for general carpentry. And it's women in skilled trades. And as long as you've made under a certain amount of money, you um, can be considered for the program. It's, I think, about 20 to 23 applicants that they accept. And so it's tuition-free. You get, like, basic hand tools. You just have to provide, you know, you have to have a pouch and steelies and safety glasses and stuff. But, yeah, and it gives you your level one in-class equivalency for a carpentry apprenticeship.
3: That's a great start for so both of you awesome. guys. And yeah. then now you're almost at the end of getting your hours, or halfway through? and
4: About halfway through. I'm in school right now. I did tell my teachers I was going to be here today, so it's all good. Uh, we, were, we were online today, which is the benefit of it being hybrid. Okay. I wish it wasn't, but it's a benefit for today. So yeah, I have a week and a half, or just two, uh, under two weeks left of my level two. And then I'll go back to work for about a year, and then level three, and then... Finish up my hours and do the CFQ. So I'm excited!
3: And I don't want to ignore you, Chris, but the thing is, like, you could probably share <laughs> a little bit about your backstory, and uh, because it's been a while since you've been on the show, has like been yeah, right back in course. the double digits, right? Of course, so. yeah,
0: no. And um, uh, I ended up um, so I've got two trade licenses: uh, general carpentry and cabinet making. One of the other reasons I was really interested to bring a carpenter to cabinet picker along today, because um, I, I really see it as a, a continuum. I don't yeah. see it as sort of for sure broken up, uh, segments at the, and my, my background includes, um, uh, building pipe organs. I spent several years of my apprenticeship in a wood carving studio. Uh, there was some furniture making going on. Um, eventually working my way into, um, where I am now. I mean, at McCaskill Heindel for, for, for many years, we were really focused on, um, high-end custom, uh, primarily residential, but occasionally getting into commercial environments. Um, uh, more sort of, um, Restaurants and things that are uh, yep. viewable, yeah. Um, so a, a degree of theatricality, which plays into when I first started going to university. It was a theater program at York. Did a little bit of time there, and um, well, uh, here we are after uh, 35 years uh, in the business.
3: That's a lot of uh, a lot of projects under your belt. Th- there,
0: huh? there have been a few a uh, few kilometers. Yes.
3: Yeah, and uh, you guys, well. Do you both work in the same space? Everybody works in the either commercial and residential, or is it like you flipping back and forth?
4: Residential for us.
3: Residential Primarily, for you guys?
0: Yeah, I, I would say that um, eighty percent of the work we do is residential. Residential. Uh, yep. So, uh, so covenant um, mostly additions and renovations, maybe one or two new homes a year, um, but uh, very select. So not not so. Terran license, yes, but um, but uh, actively being a. You know, when you think about uh, home builders, you think often about tract housing or, yeah. or development, uh, not so much like that, more um, uh, sort of custom home, ultimately end user based.
3: Well, I see a lot of people getting into the commercial side of things, and I think it's because of the creative opportunities. There's a lot more freedom, right? And without saying the S word regarding cabinetry, right? It's just most clients are asking for Shaker. So then you don't really see Shaker in commercial applications, right?
0: There's a bit of that. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest reason that people end up finding their way into commercial is because it tends to be a little less emotional as well. Uh, mm, so when you're dealing with point. a homeowner, you, yeah. there's, there's, there can be a significant amount of um, mutual understanding that needs <laughs> to be expressed. Uh, it can be, you know, there, there's, some, there's some real pitfalls. And if you're not experienced with that degree of relationship building... Um, things can go awry, uh, or they can be wildly successful, and you can create the home of someone's dreams and um, and leave everybody happy. Commercial is more about um, you know a uh, functionality, uh, a, precisely. Uh, now aesthetic, you, aesthetic functionality. You can get into creative stuff. So one so one of the interesting things uh, projects that's coming up on the shop floor is um, a ceiling treatment for a new restaurant. Uh, Uh, West Social, which is going to be opening in London sometime early this summer, late spring, early summer. And um, we've developed this way of sort of making wood look like ribbons. In close association with twelve twenty six Victoria Morphy, uh, uh, a young designer in London, who, uh, who I've had the great pleasure of working with over the last few years, um, and, and so that's a commercial situation.
3: Um, what are you guys making? That like it's, it, is it being CNC'd or is it? Um, oh no, painted? this is all this is all, this all
0: handmade. So we, we we're taking veneers and we are laminating them together. Uh, in, them? in In a variety of different flowing shapes. And then we're shaping the edges. Wow. And then we'll end up hanging them from the ceiling, from the trusses of the, primarily the lounge area of the restaurant. Uh, we'll be finishing them with a, um, um, a fire retardant finish to fulfill those obligations. Uh, and then hanging them in a kind of a haphazard way. Not a haphazard way, that's the wrong word. Um, in, a, in, a, in a flowing, irregular way. Uh, in conjunction with lighting uh, elements uh, to create this kind of, you know, flowing, moving, uh, sound dampening feature. Uh, It'll end up being, um, I think it's about 35 feet long, 24 feet wide, 25 feet
3: wide. Are you looking for a sustainable and durable real wood solution to elevate your next project? Let me introduce you to the gold standard. Thermory, the world's largest and most trusted manufacturer of thermally modified wood and sauna materials. Their wood is like the superhero version of regular wood, stronger, more stable, and ready to take on whatever mother nature throws its way. With a wide range of thermally modified wood products from decking and cladding to sauna and statement walls, when you choose Thermary, you're not just investing in quality, you're investing in the health of our planet too. Join countless architects, designers, builders, and homeowners who have trusted Thermory to bring their vision to life. The best way to fully experience the Thermory difference is to hold the real thing in your hands. So visit their website today at www.thermoreusa.com. And also find them on IG at Thermory USA.
0: Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This is a project I've been working on for a while.
3: How do you handle that? Because obviously they present it to you. Did they give you any sketches to begin with? Did they start with oh, something?
0: Oh, well, that's the marvelous thing about the design process. It, it started with a, sort of a, an idea that turned into a few meetings where we were playing with plasticine. I brought plasticine and a board and a few other artistic supplies out to a meeting, and we played around with them, and that went home with um, uh, with um, uh, Victoria's mother, Kim, uh, who's part of the process, a big part of the process, and um, they played around with it uh few weeks later we met again with this kind of a maquette of the of the piece. And then that shifted into, wow, that's a, a really interesting form. How are we gonna make it? Mm. And I spent about a year playing with I, I mean the, the first version was a solid white oak board that I hand-carved to look like ribbon, very labor-intensive. Yeah, I was just and, saying, uh, that's the first thought I had. Yeah, and that, that shifted to what can we do with veneers, and uh, and ultimately we came up with this uh, this really sort of cool, lightweight, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a, a simple thing to make, uh, but it's certainly a lot simpler than hand-carving everything.
3: <laughs> but you already have, like, I'm trying to figure out how the client approaches you guys, and all of a sudden I guess they give you a phrase or a, a briefing and they give you keywords and you kind of hone in on those key words and then you start creating something to present to them. So now it's the first time that you're visually seeing what's been expressed verbally.
0: So uh, the interesting thing I'm finding about the work that we're doing right now is there are a number of different avenues it can go down. Um, this particular project is very creative. So the, 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 um, uh, the client, the customer, the client uh, came to us with a very specific application, and then it all became this sort of creative problem-solving uh, discussion, a dialogue, Yeah. right? And and at some points, the dialogue is, I mean, at some points, the, the vocabulary is physical, right? Mm-hmm. because we're creating something. Um, that versus, say, um, somebody needing an addition in a kitchen, which is a completely different kind of design uh, that I I never get involved with that. We've got a whole design department for dealing with that. But um, you know, that's, that's more about uh, how does somebody reside within the space and how they're going to be using it versus more of a functional and aesthetic application like these ceiling uh, ribbons,
3: ceiling treatment. So I'm sure that you guys probably see this too earlier when you guys got started, how important is that relationship factor of your skill? Because I mean, I've I've said it on the show several times, and I met so many tradespeople. And in the beginning, when you start your career, it's all about the skill. It's all about the skill. Everything's about the skill. I can pull off anything skill wise, right? But the relationship, communication, understanding who you're working for with, Mm -hmm. those are all valuable assets. How important are they to you guys?
4: I think it's pretty important. I mean, I, as an apprentice, don't have a whole lot of work where I'm directly.
3: It's coming though.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. I, and even though I'm not taking the lead on those conversations, like.
3: You're making I'm notes. watching. Yeah. And I'm paying
4: attention to what customers are saying and what they really want. Because I think sometimes they're saying something. Oh. But they're not really It's good that you learned that lesson early. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz then, you know, we provide and maybe they're not happy with it. So how could that be avoided or maybe how could we try to limit
3: It's challenging. Yeah. It because- is. Their perception of what they think is coming down the pipe is completely different than what you present.
4: And in my opinion, it's not fair to assume that a homeowner is going to have any sort of understanding of what we're talking about. They
3: shouldn't. They really shouldn't. Because you're the professional at that point. So you're the one that's bringing that understanding.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: You have the same thoughts?
2: I think the the software that our designers are beginning to use with like renderings is very helpful. I don't know... Like that's probably fairly recent development, where they can actually see it in 3D with the software. That probably is very. Now is it
3: is it a double edge at that point because now you're showing them so much and they're like, well, can you just tweak this and change this? Oh,
2: and Mm. if the rendering is anything like strays in any direction Mm. that it it doesn't actually end up being exactly what the rendering looks like, that's dangerous. Yeah, (laughs) that's dangerous. You must want to give them like a
4: here, just have this little tidbit and then. Take it away. Mm-hmm. Don't let them have it. <laughs> Just let them see it, and then don't let them like.
3: You eat. almost want to set up like a woodworker's kind of uh, optometrist thing where you block <laughs> <the laughs> so you don't see the whole drawing well, or something.
0: And, and you've got yeah. me thinking about the uh, kind of the those. There are some key moments in the design process, and the design process, in my experience, doesn't end when the drawings are done. Uh, no, it where continues it on, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> in a lot of cases, yes. Um, I mean, I. Ideally, from a production standpoint, uh, you've got all of the parts and pieces sorted out before you begin production.
3: You have to. That
0: said, um, you know, again, one of the really nice things about having a design department in-house is as you're fabricating something, you you might encounter issues that are impossible to notice on paper. And impossible to notice during the early design discussion stage. Very true. Uh, that suddenly becomes manifest in this physical thing that you've created. And then to be able to bring everybody in and discuss it and further develop the design or maybe alter things so that it's gonna work just right is a real it's
3: a superpower. It's that that moment before the storm though, because you're presenting to the client and I guess it's like that initial reaction, whether they love it, mm-hmm. or if there's silence. It's whether they hate it.
0: In our experience, uh, often, is that the client loves being part of the process. So, we, Lee, Leah... Is
3: it um, dangerous, though, like you guys mentioned? Mm, no, it's um, not? It... It directs certainly you. Certainly, it can be. But uh, it directs you. It directs the, the movement of where you want this project to go, especially like something that you guys are creating with that ceiling. Yep. Like, that's completely being fabricated right in front of your eyes, right?
0: But let's remember the emotional part of it, right? And mm. this, is, this is one of the things that in commercial you tend not to bump up against, right? You, you go in, you do your work, you're gone, you're, that's it. You, you know, 90 days later, you get paid, whatever. Um, in residential, you're going to be in that person's house for months okay. on a large project. Yeah, uh, We recently had a project where we were um, building a face frame kitchen for a 1930s. It was a craftsman-style bungalow. Um, wonderful old wood, wonderful old elements. Um, they really wanted something that fit into that environment, uh, so we're creating this face frame cabinetry using special veneers. We ended up using gray elm, which uh, is not a common veneer to use. It was a lot of fun to work with. Ran into a problem um, where, you know, again, something that so the way that the way that a particular piece of hardware moved uh, worked on paper, but in reality, it was bumping into stuff, and to be able to bring the, in this case, the designer, uh, Leah Turner, who is a wonderful woman to work with. Um, and the homeowners came in and we had a series of meetings on the shop floor where we played with the stuff, moved it around. And because they were part of the process, they became as enamored of the project mm. as we were on the shop floor. Mm. It was magic. And you but get them
2: thinking flexibly, like yeah. more flexibly. Well, you, when you actually have them in the shop, like, here's it, why we can't do this.
3: Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say, is there a little bit of raining in going on there? Because if they start veering off into other mystical woodworking lands, <laughs> like you start opening up a can of worms?
0: Well, and I mean, there are, there are scope changes. I mean, we're, we're all aware of the risk of scope creep, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but Scope creep? Scope creep, yeah. Where never uh, heard that. What is that? Oh gosh. Um, Sure. <laughs> oh, well, you know, is that in Webster's or ev- what? Everything, everything, everything's been Webster's. priced. <laughs> you know, we're all really clear on what the scope is, and then things start going sideways. And at okay. At a certain point, that's going to add to the dollar value.
3: That's when you start hearing the rumble strips on the highway.
0: Well, and, and so it's very important to understand where the boundaries are, mm. and. And then have that difficult conversation about... Do it then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we can make these changes uh, in order... So something's not working. That's a simple one. That's on us, right? Let's, let's figure this out. We'll find a solution. Everybody's happy. Versus, well, since we're doing that, why don't we make these cabinets three inches taller? Well, slow down. <laughs> Different
3: conversation. It's true. And it brings up a really important question I want to ask all three of you guys is... Um, The biggest thing that I hear from a lot of young woodworkers, cabinet makers, trim people, all this stuff, this stuff, they don't know where to start pricing. They have no gauge. Like when he goes into other trades, plumber, electrician, HVAC, there's a grocery list of products. You know how long it takes to install these products. You guys are starting off with a piece of paper and design and then client, and you have to find a dollar value attached to that. How do you guys tackle pricing to any of these projects that you work on?
4: I'm lucky I haven't had to do that yet or unlucky. But it's coming. Maybe. No, I know. And so it's something that I'm really cognizant of that I'm like really paying attention while other leads, if I'm on site with a lead, how are they doing takeoffs for things specifically? And then how do they account, like how much percentage do they account for waste? And does that change depending on if I'm on site or if the other apprentice is on site? Or does that vary? Like, do they just have a baseline or, and I don't do a lot of side work at this point, but. If I have coworkers who have side work and they add a little extra and they're happy to bring me on, I love that. Because, again, I'm not necessarily at the point where I'm capable of cultivating my own work, i.e. lack of tools and skills and whatnot. But then I can ask them, oh, okay, so, like, can you tell me how did you actually, how did you plan this out? How did you decide how much to charge them, you know? It kind of feels gauche in a way to talk about money, but I like to. I, I want to know what's the nitty-gritty that I need to know <laughs> if Is I'm going to do something. Is it still bare bones just
3: time and money? It's just like, or time and material? Not really. You can't. That, that equation doesn't work. There's a little
0: bit of science and a whole lot of art. It's... Uh, yeah. Right. I, I mean, one of the things that, um, uh, when, when Heinlein and I joined, one of the things that we, uh, we brought value in um, was the, our historical records, right? I, I, I've been keeping track of everybody's hours for a quarter of a century. So I've got a pretty good idea how long it takes to do a lot of stuff. Um, There's a pattern. There's, yeah, absolutely.
3: doesn't and matter who's starting and who's coming in. And it's in. never precise, okay. but
0: it's usually precise enough to make it worthwhile. Okay. Uh, but I cannot imagine being able to do that without having... A, it's really easy to begin adopting a sense of magical thinking around pricing. That'll only take a day.
1: Mm.
0: Whereas if you've actually been... F- you've forced yourself and you've been disciplined about looking at the timesheets and adding it all up, you realize that that day is actually 45 hours long. <laughs>
3: and
0: you've got to charge for those hours because you're paying somebody by yeah, the hour. Of course. Um, and the discipline part is being willing to walk away from a job because you know you can't possibly do it for the homeowner's budget.
3: Well, the question is, where did the homeowner get that budget amount?
0: And that can be... Um,
3: Because they magically find that one somewhere. I
0: Mm -hmm. hate to say it, but I've always been of the opinion that cabinet makers are their own own worst enemies uh, in the sense that in a lot of places, and you can get onto um, any any number of the different chat groups online, and you will find people arguing about how quickly they can do things. Mm -hmm. And um, nothing is ever, it's always, oh, I could do that for less. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of fighting to the bottom of the,
3: yeah but that doesn't that's where it goes to like what's your worth you have to figure Mm. out what your worth is right well
0: and perhaps more importantly um i would rather be part of an organization that um you know is willing to to stand up for its value and be able to confidently say that yeah we're going to be around 10 years from now so um so we can continue adding to i i should i should back that up a little bit um it's been our, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for us to um, be taken in by a family to do a bathroom that leads to a kitchen that leads to two more bathrooms, or that leads to some furniture. Back to the relationships. The next yeah. thing you know, you've spent a decade with these people. Mm-hmm.
3: And right. that's what you really want. Absolutely. But I guess in the beginning, are you guys nervous about saying no?
4: No, only because I have experience before being a personal trainer. And I got Fair. to this place where I was, felt like I couldn't say no. And I kept saying yes and kept saying yes, even if it was to my detriment. And so now coming into this new career, I'm coming in with really good boundaries where I, yeah, of course I want to take on side work because it's a great way for me to continue to develop skills and master ones I already have and make a little extra money. That's great. But it comes with the acknowledgement that I can't do that every weekend. And I certainly can't do it both days every single weekend because that would burn me out so fast.
3: So in the beginning, the skills are important. So you'll take the hit. But then at some point, you got to realize that this is still a business. I'm running a career here, right? So I have to make money.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think my priorities at this point aren't to run my own business because I've had that experience as well. And maybe down the line, that'll change. But at this point, I kind of love being a minion. You know, or someone tells me what I need to go do. That's great. And then I go home and I don't have to worry about it.
3: It's very uh, stress free. It's kind of nice. It's very, very nice, yeah. actually. Yeah. Rules, compliance, regulations. These are all super critical things. We use tools that require high safety standards. We have to meet compliance and regulations at all times, not just for governmental issues, but to avoid putting out employees at risk. Every tool requires a different kind of training and understanding of how to operate it safely. Every rule needs to be fully understood. We need to know who's qualified to do certain jobs and who's not. All these are important things we managers must take care of to keep safety high at all times. Now, getting it done is way harder than talking about it. But luckily, there's a platform I found that can help you out with everything I just mentioned. A great software called ConnectTeam which has training and quizzes that you can build in any way you'd like to make sure your employees always know how to handle certain tools. You can see who's done at a certain course or quiz and who didn't complete it and can't work with a certain tool until they do. You also have the ability to update if there's a new regulation you need everybody to be aware of ASAP. And there's a simple overview screen to track who saw it. Plus, connect team schedule allows you to add limitations for certain jobs so if one of your employees is not qualified to do a certain job the system will automatically notify you about it the platform offers a lot more such as easy access to playbooks and hazard reports just check them out for yourself connect team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial try them today by checking out the link in the show notes but it's also nice (laughs) to overhear the conversations in the event something you know you got to take the wheel of a plane or something like that you got to land it right so i'm
4: I'm definitely don't get me wrong i'm not checking out when i'm there unless i'm digging a hole then the brain turns off that's a nice brain (laughs) vacation (laughs) is a digging a whole day (laughs) and that happens i love that
0: there's another piece of that a part to that and that's uh, the 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 teamwork uh, part i mean I, i know i know beyond a shadow of a doubt that anybody who's on the shop floor anybody any of the members of our millwork team when they're on site um we're all on the same script and so, okay. so um, in terms of reassuring a homeowner uh, if they've got concerns about uh, the way, say, a cabinet project is moving along, um, you know, uh, Heather, Heather spent a lot of time with, with me working. Uh, a lot of other folks on the shop floor spent a lot of time with Heather. It sort of follows along that um, we're all working off of the same script, which is extremely important. Uh, the objective is there. Everybody yes precisely and um, you know the emotional piece again is is about ensuring that um, you know a, a homeowner can be confident in the work that you're doing and confident in your knowledge and that confidence and competence can really only be imparted through communication um, which is about having everybody kind of on the same page when they're communicating. Right. And so was, we, was um, it a
3: challenge during the funny years where material costs were going through the roof and you guys were seeing certain species of wood? Yep, absolutely. Prices like were just spiking through historicals. Like, absolutely. And then you had to communicate with the client this, right? Yep. And they were reluctant to go forward on a project, or were you getting still yeses moving forward?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. I mean, it was it was a moving. The ground seemed to move a lot at that mm-hmm. particular moment, um, but. I'm going to, I would suggest that um, for the most part, the direction had been chosen, the path maybe hadn't been chosen. And so sometimes when you're picking a path, uh, you, I mean you know that you're working towards an addition or a kitchen or a whatever, a uh, piece of furniture, um, you know, maybe you've got to take things back to the design stage again. Pick that path. It's just
3: more communication skills. That's all. Totally. There. It's really, 100%. Right? It's not like you're shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. You just have to uh, recollect, your, I guess, your thoughts and just where to start all over again. Challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious on who's influencing you guys on what type of tools to use.
2: Like brand-wise? Yeah. and <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm just curious because I've always said that it's got nothing to do with influencers out there. It's got everything to do with who's actually pointing the educational Pointer, you know what I mean?
2: Um, I would say, like, I've used different brands of different materials that are owned by other people in my shop, and then I and then I can make a decision that way. That's the, That's how I've been. So is proposed. it
3: that you use something for the first time, you try it, you do a project, it works out really well, and you're like, part of that reason it was the tool. Most of it was me, but part of that reason was the tool. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with this tool. Is that kind of the mindset?
2: Yeah, or like different track saws. I've tried three different brands of track saws and so I can then go pick which one I like the best. Who's got the, the best? best one? Chris.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yours is Fest, isn't it? Isn't it Fest?
0: No, I, I've actually got a Bosch. I, I had gone during the oh. pandemic to pick up um, a, a T75, a Festool T75. Uh, they were back ordered throughout all of North America. I needed something. Uh, the Bosch was on sale. Picked up the Bosch.
3: No, I got the corded. Yeah, I got uh, a corded. I love it.
0: And it was it was fantastic. It had the power I needed. Um, maybe not the depth of cut the T seventy five has got. But um, what's the difference here? We were talking about like what? Oh, another another three quarters of an inch. It'll, it'll, that that'll make difference, a difference. Huh? Yeah, that'll make yeah. another. That'll make a difference. That's um, I gotta
3: grab it. With the track saws in the arbor, man.
0: Uh, that's yeah. That's unfortunate. They all do that on
3: purpose. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky little consumer brands
0: i haven't had any regrets about the uh, the bosch um and i and i have it's to say it's the same
3: blade though it's just the arbor's different uh, so you ha- you're forced to buy a track saw blade which is more expensive than
0: a you know and, and some somebody somebody out there in the world can correct me I'm, I'm completely blanking right now but i think the ts 75 has got a slightly larger blade i and I apologize if I'm well, yeah, maybe about that's wrong.
3: That. I don't know. But, I, I, you know, listen, listen. from my understanding, tools don't make money. Accessories make money.
0: Yeah. Well, that's in, in, in <laughs> the end, skills. I mean, what, what were we doing before we had track saws? Mm.
3: Right? Um, uh, navigating some risky waters on a table saw.
0: <laughs> yeah, or, nice. or setting up by ourselves? Setting a straight Ooh. edge with a regular circular saw, right? Yeah, that's or yeah.
3: clamping down a piece yeah. of, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, used to it. So, okay, so Festool, or no, Bosch. And some Mm. of it is
2: just what, you know, seasoned cabinet makers are using and they've tested all of them out. Mm. Like Brad talking about which belt sander is the best or.
3: Which is the best.
2: Well, Porter Cable is what he would maybe say or Makita.
3: But Porter Cable is so high. It's almost like a double decker bus. Right. I like my low profile Makita. Yep. Just because it's low profile. It's almost like you can use it as a palm sander.
0: And in our shop, we've got we've
3: got <laughs> yeah. a couple of each.
2: <laughs> Dario has a, a Ryobi belt sander that he can hold with one hand, and that's why he mm-hmm. likes it. I was literally just going See to say that. that
3: sometimes you want to have a one-hand belt sanding action instead of a orbiter flat pad I
4: action. mostly use my belt sander for scribing, or sometimes yeah. if I'm taking out a lot of material when I'm coping, and my belt... Boss had this massive one and I felt so weak. Like I'm not a tiny woman and I'm trying to hold it and I'm trying challenging. to it. It was so frustrating. I've never been so frustrated. And then I was in wherever, saw the Ryobi one, picked it up and I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's great.
1: It's pretty smart. It's so I'm nice. not knocking
3: it. It's pretty smart. Yeah. So yeah. is that where you're leaning? Like what other brands are? I'm just curious.
4: I uh at Conestoga, the shop was completely um what's it called? Uh not supported, uh sponsored by DeWalt. Okay. So I used all DeWalt tools. Smart
3: move on their part.
4: Really smart move on their part. I liked them. They felt really comfortable. And then I won an award and I got a Milwaukee drill set uh through school. So <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm a Milwaukee girl now. <laughs> and honestly, I like it. The only thing I ended up going with a lot of the like um M eighteen like fuel, the really intense big stuff. And the they're, bricks. They're freaking heavy.
1: The bricks. They're so heavy. But powerful I'm like, bricks. You know
4: what? I'm okay with it because I want to get stronger. It's good. I am strong. So, but needless to say, in the future, I'm probably going to get like some of their smaller options for things like the M12s that they have now, which are equally as powerful, I think, compared to some of the other stuff, but a little bit smaller, a little bit easier to maybe handle.
3: I think tools are like driver's licenses or driving cars. It's like, as you get older, you just want things that are very reliable and that don't necessarily go very fast and hard, right? So we take it easier as mm-hmm. you, there's going to be a point at some point you're going to be like, I don't need all that power. I'm good with this. Right? Yeah. Right.
4: Yeah. I could see that.
3: One, one
0: brand that I'm really liking is Mirka for sanding.
3: Listen, you're the, not the first, you're a lot of people have been saying it's a better sander.
0: I mean, for one thing, it's, it's something they specialize in. Yeah. Right? Whereas, uh, I mean, Festool love my domino, um, love their dust extractors. Um, I have had, issues with some of the other equipment that i've used i don't really like the balance on the planex sanders the um uh, the merca the ergonomics are right the uh the feel is right because of the paddle i kind of like the paddle it's more industrial feeling to me um the range of uh, possibilities and the fact that it all hooks up really nicely to uh the same well to multiple
3: different dust extraction systems is is perfect is it that's all they do
0: yeah, the, uh, polishers and uh, sanders. But mm-hmm. just
3: that, yeah, just kind of sanding yeah. or... Well,
0: so everybody knows about the Daros, the six-inch Daros or the yeah. five-inch mm-hmm. Daros, right? Yeah. But uh, you go through a catalog and the the number of different it's configurations insane. is huge. Um, the uh, And I totally understand why the uh, the distributors don't carry all of that stuff. But if you, if you have the chance to look at a catalog, it's like absolutely phenomenal how many different...
3: They should start putting those catalogs there. like in doctor's offices, right? instead I of like so, right? little of little mag, and car mag like or something yeah. like that or whatever right. motorcycle mag like just start putting the tool mag yes there. <laughs> i think people will steal them though that's the thing <laughs> <laughs> or they'll just tear out the sheets yeah. like i'm circle mine, it, save it for up on the this list.
0: and there's a question about um a dust extraction right because you're, okay. you're talking about using a, a belt sander for scribing yeah which totally makes sense but you're you're working in not a dust-free environment Correct. Would you you wouldn't necessarily do that in a, an environment uh, with a finished kitchen in it?
4: Correct. Yeah. That's always done outside. Yeah. yeah. So if we're if I'm assisting with an install and we're scribing stuff, that's done outside. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent.
3: There is no good dust distraction for a belt sander, though.
0: Oh, is I there? had yeah. I had a situation a little while ago where okay. I actually took my huge Porter Cable, the uh, whatever it is, a four by twenty four, and. Jury rigged a way to hook it up to my dust extraction system, mm-hmm.
3: and it worked. But there, that are, is it one and a quarter inch, or how Yeah, so,
0: so I need to make a, a reducer. you got to do yep, an adapter sure. of some sort But as thing. soon as that was done, as soon, as soon as that was in place, the dust extraction was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I was removing a significant amount of white oak material and not producing any airborne dust at all. Cool. So, it's good to know. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 400 CFM on the uh, dust extractor when it's pu- turned up to, uh, to full. That's That was sufficient.
3: Mm-hmm. And it collected a good amount of it then. Yeah. You had a little bit because just of the opening. Yeah, but
0: none of it was going airborne, right? No. I mean, the belt sander really has the potential to, to throw things mm-hmm. around. Uh, this Any any of the dust that remained uh, tended to remain on the, on the workpiece. There was no cleaning up around me in the surrounding area, so I was really impressed.
3: Um, Back to the school, I'm mm-hmm. curious, when you guys were there... Mm-hmm. Um, were there enough kids in school?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think my program's slightly different. And maybe I can speak to like the actual like, apprenticeship intake now as well, too. But because the WIST program only takes in a certain amount of women, I think they really go through a rigorous um, interview process. Because their program is government-funded, they want to make sure that the metrics that they receive from the women that come into the program are quite high. So they want to see you successful. They want to see you yeah. not only get into a job, but also hopefully continue your apprenticeship. So I think they, they tried to get as many women in, but also make sure that it's a high retention rate. We did, I would say, probably lose about a quarter of the students throughout the year. So that was from a varying amount of issues. I mean, a couple of the students were parents, single parents, You know, and some were traveling. There was someone who was coming from like Kingston, to conestoga to waterloo really yeah and so she had rented this apartment like in toronto so like there was a lot of people who were trying to make really challenging circumstances work so i think that, that so it really wasn't a really of
3: loss of interest in that trade i don't think it was so. more just their their personal circumstances I, yeah
4: that that's how it felt to me because um, i think the the women who i had spoken to who i noticed didn't come back after first semester they seemed as interested in it as i was um and then when it comes to the intake now with level two, I'm actually at Fanshawe for that. Um and it's a full class, I think. Like I don't think we're low. It's maybe around twenty two as well or twenty one okay. students. Yeah, which I think is normal. What was your program well, like?
2: I was in a diploma program and I right. think the so Conestoga's woodworking technology diploma program has capacity for like ninety students at a time.
3: How many teachers? Wow.
2: Oh, lots of teachers.
3: Wow, seems like a, that's a lot of kids, huh?
2: Um, so my class was probably 77 or 79 when we started, and I don't know what, what the dropout rate is. but um, And I think it's been a continuous struggle to keep those enrollment numbers up. Yeah. I do think that. Um, I do sit on the program advisory committee, and I've continued to hear about like, how they're keeping their numbers up, and it, a lot of it is uh, international students.
3: They're coming in with skill set or with drive, and we just don't have that in the homegrown?
2: Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's just maybe guidance counselors need to be talking to their high school students about going into the trades and celebrating going into the trades. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why the international students are filtering into this uh, woodworking technology program. but
3: I wonder how much the government does inquire about because i'm always fascinated about this when i'm speaking to people that have gotten out of construction Mm
1: -hmm.
3: i always want to know why what's the reason why so when i start seeing kids get in Mm -hmm. they're excited about it but then they leave after the first year or midway through that first year what's the real reason why they're getting out is it just the stigma is Mm -hmm. it i don't think it's the money because i think the money's there but it could be the stigma Uh, but there's like i'd be curious if the government's actually doing any homework on finding out why they leave I think they're good right. at finding out why they get in, yeah. but yeah. that's not really a fair assessment. I want to know staying in. Yeah. That's more valuable that number than getting in
0: for sure. One, the government's um, got some real challenges in the sense that um, they don't really know who's in the trade and who's not, unless people are actually writing the, the right. exams and, and taking on the license. Yeah. Uh, I sat for several so yeah. years on the cabinet maker trade board at the Ontario College of Trades. We got to see the, the data and we figured that probably because it's a voluntary trade cabinet making, um, probably 90 to 95% of the people who are practicing the trade were never registered apprentices, were never licensed cabinet makers. And so there's a whole whack of people out there that the government doesn't know about, whereas the culture of carpentry tends to be a little bit more in line with, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're encouraged to finish the training and write the exam and yeah. certainly our, our carpenters are Yeah,
4: definitely. in our
0: shop. People are encouraged to write the exam, but we're rare. Uh, and so if the government doesn't realize these folks are actually engaged in the trade, mm-hmm. they're going to make decisions based on the small numbers they do see. Yeah.
3: But there's a whole workforce out, in there, out there across Canada that's not going that route, but still has the skills. Yeah, but okay. if, if
0: the, if the data is not there for the government to look at, uh, the data is How not else there.
3: can they find out about that data?
0: That's tricky. And I mean, I, I, I we recognized in cabinet making that there were some really sort of uh, horrifying changes happening in the education system when cabinet-making programs started closing in place of, and and taking their place, were uh, construction technology programs. And so at some point, and this is probably happening at the organized labor level, um, but somebody out there uh, was organized enough to go and speak with guidance counselors, speak with boards of education, speak with the government. There was a lot of lobbying going on to sort of direct people into carpentry. A lot of the folks that we have coming in as co-op kids, because um, uh, we engage we engage kids in co-op uh, programs as, as often as we can to give them yeah. that, that, that exposure uh, to the trade. Um, but um, a lot of them didn't even realize that cabinet making was a trade. They're coming to us as construction technology kids, thinking that woodworking is about building houses, not realizing that woodworking can be about making furniture or cabinets. Mm. Seriously.
3: Yeah. It's still a skill.
0: But, um, if it's not something that peop- that is being encouraged at the, uh, school level, the high school level, for instance, then
3: they're not going to have that
0: skill as a potential goal.
3: CCS engineering and construction for everything from dental and medical office renovations to commercial construction and complete home remodeling. They do it all. CCS has in-house experts that will make your next project feel effortless. Their streamlined process ensures efficiency and outstanding project quality. From your initial design to your final vision, CCS will see your project through from start to finish. CCS serves clients across Ontario. Join the growing CCS family today. Visit ccsengcon.com or call 226-499-2CCS to schedule a consultation. CCS engineering construction for everything. Why is Canada not leading? Why do you guys think that like there isn't enough effort put into skilled trades i don't think Not in no, i totally agree. i mean I, i've spoken to people in australia and new zealand i've spoken to people in the yeah. uk it just seems like there's a lot more love going on at the government level over there than there is here and unless you're part of these organized i call them unions like mm-hmm. unless you're feeding that union machine mm-hmm. but there's a lot of small business owners that don't kind of work that union and they're building their business still on the same parameters of the union. So they're giving all the benefits. They're treating their employees just as good, if mm-hmm. not better. But they're just, they don't want to go down that route of the union, right? So they stay away from that. But then now it's not being recognized. But I find that other countries are doing far better than we are when we can be doing so much more.
4: I, I mean, it, speaking from the perspective of being a student, when I was in high school, really was not even considered a career option, realistically. There was something. It wasn't brought up, right? It really wasn't brought up. We did have the opportunity to select auto, woodworking, or tech, I think it was called. That's the go
3: to. Yeah. But we know there's like 80 some odd skilled trades out there, right?
4: And that was an option if you didn't want to select music or arts or theater. And as a young woman in high school, I was like three well, jobs that
3: you're not going to have making money. Right? From. No, you're not going to make <laughs> any money.
4: But of course I was like, yeah, I want to go play music with my friends in band. Are you kidding yeah, me? Sure. It, you know, so it was never, I really had not considered working in a trade at all. So it's something that, um, I grew up in a really small community and my goals as I continue to learn and grow are to encourage more people Of course, women in that, but Mm -hmm. people in general to look at the trades and not just carpentry, but cabinet making or electrical or plumbing or HVAC. Like I have a number of friends who work in the trades in some capacity and I keep like reaching out to them, asking them like, hey, how are you doing? Are you taking on co-op students? Like, what does that look like for you? And oftentimes it's no but I'm interested. So I think like we were talking about that earlier today about bringing on co-op students or bringing on apprentices. And I think sometimes a lot of companies don't really know what needs to be done in order to do that. And they're hesitant to do it because they think it's going to be more of a time suck and a money suck rather than giving back to them in the long run. But you were saying it's, it's a long game, but it's worth it.
0: A lot of employers don't realize that these programs are even available. Uh, Co-op, co-op placements and uh, those sorts of supportive uh, uh, programs, um, and they are entirely worth uh, taking part in. Uh, it's a it's a really low risk way of uh, allowing somebody who's considering a, a life in the trades to be exposed to what the trades about in a in a relatively safe and uh, and non um, uh, non damaging, non committal kind of way. Uh, go in, see what the work's like, experience the work for a few weeks, and and then either choose to continue down that path or or choose another one.
3: Um. Does does the schools I don't know this, but I mean, do they offer awards? Are there awards per graduating year?
2: Like, are you talking high schools?
3: Well, not in high school in, in Conestoga or Fenshaw Are there? They're the so like whatever best cabinet or project. There's there's these awards, right? Yeah, we have
2: a winner here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Best in manufactured product, I think it was called. <laughs> what do
3: you get out of it? Like, what is it that you get?
2: Bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, and I bring it up yeah.
3: because I remember, like, you, you remember Carlito when was on the show, right? Of when course. you were on there a long time ago. And he, he joked around in the early days of the construction life. It's like, we should do awards for each, like, year like we'll do best plumbing show best woodworking show and all <laughs> and i'm like these are great ideas and, then, and until he started showing me some designs of these trophies and i was like yeah, that's not going to work right <laughs> and so we, we kind of left it alone but i started thinking yeah this award thing is something there yeah. Like this recognition is something there mm-hmm. and that could be something that the government could possibly be doing to encourage mm-hmm. more people to like like i remember when i was going to post and i started doing like just to get in an interview for a creative element at an education post you have to present something. You had to Hell come no. up with something and design something and present this and present where your creativity came from. So I, I don't know if that was if that's cool. something that could be done for trades where you want to get into a certain school or you want to get into a certain business, you got to present your best foot forward. Your portfolio. Like you, you walk in with a yeah. project that you completed, yeah. you show and you kind of describe where your thought process came from mm-hmm. to create this object, right? And then that gives you some insight into this person. Mm-hmm. But if the government were to support the industry on that, that mm-hmm. might encourage more kids to come into the industry. Where yeah. I've got a great idea for next year's award assembly, mm-hmm. right? Well,
0: there, and there are awards out there. Um, it seems to me I was, I looked at an email the other day that came in from the Canadian Apprenticeship Forum. Uh, I mean, unfortunately. We can't be part of that because the cost of membership is prohibitive. Uh, so it seems to be geared again more towards organized labor and and certainly um, supported by government uh, at a very high level. Uh, but um, um, the the opportunity to award employers, probably need to extend... I'm trying really hard not to say something negative about unions, I, and I apologize. Well, um, you, you want me to say it? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, um, uh, from what I've seen from my end of, uh, of the severe, um, a lot of the attention at the government level seems to be going more towards that rather than private uh,
3: enterprise. A hundred percent, because there's <laughs> big fat envelopes being exchanged here and there, right? So I get that, so, this is where this is my thought process about the ward, right? This is what I'm thinking about. Mm. We don't have the best boardwalk in city speaking, right? There's mm. other cities that have much better boardwalks than our boardwalk, right? And our boardwalk could be better. Mm-hmm. But what if you gave the opportunity to a bunch of kids to design benches that went along that entire boardwalk? Yeah. Different style of benches. And just let the kids... Like, you still have to get it through a, uh, an approval yeah. process where, okay, it still has to be a bench. It can't be something crazy like it can't be some sort of extreme i don't know scorpion claw thing or something like that it's got to be still seated functional, functional yeah, right yeah. but it has to be creative and functional and you have to understand that i bet you any money a bunch of kids out there would be thinking i got a really interesting idea for yeah. a bench on Toronto's boardwalk yeah. And that would just open up creativity and mm-hmm. then we could start adding more and more benches because I don't know if you guys walk it, but I walk it and every so often I want to sit down and just take in the view. Yeah. Sure. But if I'm sitting down on a bench that some kid designed and built and fabricated and was mentored and I like, call the positivity
0: around yeah, it. The cool. other nice thing about that is regardless of the path that somebody ends up taking, it's also taking part of the design process, which yeah. Uh, out in the field, quite often mm. there's a, a real division, right? The designer yep. does the design For and sure. never talks to the folks who are actually making. Yeah. But if you can, if you can set up a greater appreciation, a greater sort of understanding between those two segments, you can bring them together and, and have a, a, a more hom- harmonious uh, outcome, I think.
4: Yeah. And it I think it can lend itself as well to coming from like a construction perspective mm. that a lot of times we have design in house, but Sometimes we have to problem solve a little bit. So we might have that original design and then things end up getting shifted or changed for some reason or another. And as a lead carpenter, I've seen it where they've had to go, okay, I'm not a designer, but what do you think about this? And they've brought up these ideas of ways to to take the issue, whatever it may be, and fix it. And at the same time, maybe end up adjusting that design a little bit. But I think having some some little like dipping your toes into the water of design in some way or having maybe that creative muscle being flexed in some capacity then will allow you to be more inclined to be like, yeah, no problem, let's fix this for you right now, not, oh, we're going to have to talk to the designer. This is going to take, you know, how much more time and money and whatever.
3: See, that when I hear that, I just think about how many kids are actually just walking away from the opportunity to be in this industry because mm-hmm. they are confronted with roadblocks that way, right? Yep. Like I would rather I don't know personally anybody that came from construction that became a politician. I don't think that those genes or those chromosomes don't exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think you could actually become a politician if you're in construction. <laughs> I don't know anybody.
0: Well, no, it's interesting that you should suggest that. <laughs> I, one of the, one of the in terms of uh, in terms of management and leadership, one of the uh, one of the books that I draw on quite often is a book by. Uh, he's actually a self-defense. Uh, um, guy uh, named Rory Miller. Uh, the book is called Conflict Communications. Um, it looks at um, you know ways of avoiding conflict uh, and how to, how to sort of manage conflict. I found it unbelievably useful in managing different kinds of personalities uh, both on the shop floor and on the site. Um, but uh, it sort of talks about there being uh, you know in very very general terms. So this is a model it's not going to be accurate. But if it's a, even if it's an inaccurate model, if we can use it for predictive purposes, then mm. it's useful. Okay, so you've got folks who are all about doing stuff and folks who are all about thinking about stuff. And they're both kind of necessary in that the folks who are thinking about doing stuff are also thinking about um, the organization of the society. They're thinking about the organization of the uh, you know the, all the people that are required to make things happen. The folks who want to do stuff and just get stuff done, they, they don't want to... Think about that stuff. No. They just want to. They want to do the work, and you really need both folks in order to make things work. Whether it's um, uh, a shop floor, uh, a construction site, um, and it occurs to me that the reason that the folks who are really into doing the work, so construction workers, cabinet makers, carpenters, whatever, cement guys, whatever, uh, cement people, um, they don't become politicians because politicians are really invested in, in this way of things. That's how they're wired. Right, and likewise, difficult for the politicians to
3: to go the other way. And and
0: so the the, the, the trick to uh, the trick to success in any of this is for both groups, it's each group to yeah, they've they've got to have a little bit of sympathy for the other or a little bit of understanding. Uh, so to take some take some kids who are maybe um, destined or on the path towards working in construction, have them do some design projects to better understand what these folks are concerned with is a really, really good thing in the same way that is really good for these kids to experience a little bit of welding and a little bit of, I'm just trying to think of more and
3: more opportunities for kids, whether they're immigrants or homegrown here to just like exercise their skill and creativity, because Mm -hmm. I honestly believe, especially when you're younger, It's like a mountain when it comes to creativity, like the amount of ideas that I don't think you can sit down and just draw, draw. You would take an entire lifetime to draw all the creative ideas that you have at a younger age. And then it's just age and circumstances that basically start, I guess, erasing these pages of creativity over time. It's a muscle. It is. Yeah,
4: you have to flex it. Yeah. And if you don't, then you, you don't cultivate it. But and if you're
3: stopped by certain people because it's right. just a political flavor, then that kind of is missed opportunity.
4: Yeah. I don't think that people who are in school and are looking at careers uh, that are in many different industries are thinking about it from a creative standpoint. Right? They're not going into the healthcare industry thinking, how can I be creative? right? Like they're, they're but there not. is a
3: percentage of them that are because they're, that's how we're sure. coming up with really good ideas Which that are fabulous. innovative and changing yeah. things. And I just don't think that there's a spotlight on a construction on skill trades because we're not being asked to. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: that's 100%. the lack of it. So you're reminding me, you're reminding me of the vast importance, the, the uh, profound importance of, uh, mandatory industrial arts classes at the oh, elementary school level yes. where we had to remember d- those yes so grade seven and eight um and in our case it took up a, a fairly substantial amount of time i mean there was two afternoons a week which for kids in grade seven and eight is a lot of time uh and in that we you're were sweating uh, well and, and we were tasked with designing our own
3: projects <laughs> yeah but you're so just you, like you're you're thinking the way you're oh, it thinking
0: was so much fun too yeah, i, I know, you know
3: when you solved it <laughs> <laughs> when you weren't solving it, it was frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, like it, 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 it kind of opened up thought.
0: And it was mandatory. Yeah. Everybody had to take it. Didn't, yeah. didn't matter whether you're heading down this, this road or this road. That's cool. And it's gone. Cool.
3: We should have more of that stuff. So I keep yeah. on thinking that it's the small mom and pop, the small businesses that are actually giving these opportunities up to these kids. But the kids need to find you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem. And I guess it's really hard to find you guys in such a noise-filled landscape like social media or even the web yeah they don't know where to start
4: well and I think like from my perspective of being a woman as well like I I I wouldn't have really felt comfortable like even going out to interview probably I would have especially at that age I would have been too intimidated you know and so I think I would love to be a part of an initiative to to go in and speak with kids and I know that there's a Jill of all trades that they run at Conestoga multiple times in the year which like I have I applied so many times to be a mentor (laughs) because I want to so badly, but you know, it's great if they have too many mentors, I'm happy, but I'm just like, let me be a part of this. (laughs) But you know, it's stuff like that where it's just giving kids the opportunity to do it. Uh, well, those are women, but young women, the opportunity to try it and get their hands dirty, even just that little day probably makes a difference in those young women's life, helps them make decisions that if they hadn't have had that one day experience, they probably wouldn't think oh maybe maybe I could be an electrician or maybe I could be a plumber or oh you know what I'd love to run like a crane you know like those are things that probably young women don't have the opportunity I really shouldn't generalize and say young women I'm sure there's lots of
3: like but not enough yeah not enough yeah. women and and also young young men are not looking at it right. as options as well too sure. and I just don't think because the conversation is not there yeah hmm. I think as as much as we don't say it is I think that it's still not it's the fallback mentality.
0: Well, And so you're in a position to, to speak with a lot of different people within the construction mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. Where are they finding their new hires?
3: They're having a challenge. I mean, Indeed is one thing that they keep on going through where they're talking about they'll just put a post out, but they're being more direct these days. So they're just being blunt. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Like, these are the parameters I need, and if you don't fit any, of these don't even bother contacting me. Because they already know the ratio of how many people are going to inquire about it and who's actually going to show up. So they have to deal with that at that point, right? But everybody is going through that. So now you're fighting all the businesses Mm -hmm. to get the smaller pool. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to make that pool bigger. Mm -hmm. Hey, architects and builders, do you want to stand out from the competition? Fraser Wood Siding has your back. Fraser Wood Siding is a leader in pre-finished wood siding. They manufacture beautiful pre-finished wood siding using only the highest quality PEFC certified Canadian softwood Fraser Wood Siding is available in 17 profiles and unlimited colors. Frasier Wood Siding is available in 17 profiles and unlimited colors. Supplied by the global leader in paints, Sherwin Williams. Whether your design taste is classic, contemporary, conservative, or bold, they've got you covered. They'll gladly match the color of any paint manufacturer and send a sample on an actual piece of Fraser Wood Siding in just a few days. Visit their website at www.fraserwoodsiding.com and reach out about your upcoming projects to benefit from their industry-leading lead times. Fraser Wood Siding, get inspired.
2: There's a high school dual pr- credit program. Do you know about that? No. And what is, the, what is the program that Olga is doing in high school?
0: Oh, um, so we've got a, um, a young woman who uh, is going to be starting tomorrow as a co-op placement from... Okay. Beale. H.B. Uh, Beale is, Beale is um, one of our local schools that's more focused on tech than, than academics uh, traditionally, although their academics have really improved over the last, well, since I was in high school. Uh, <laughs> Forty decades. Four decades. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I wasn't aware that she was, I think it's just a, a straight woodworking I thought she got a,
2: I thought she could use her time with us as a credit toward a college program.
0: So what what'll end up happening with Olga, as as happens with a lot of the other co op students we have through, is the moment they enter, I'll get them signed up with OYAP, um, okay, uh, and I'll speak with a guidance counselor as well or with a co op teacher um, to make sure that the moment they're signed up, then the hours that they do with us can count towards their apprenticeship, which yes. is great, right? But yeah. if they if they don't if they don't do that uh, if they don't sign that um, that agreement,
2: so it's Ontario right. Youth Apprenticeship Program, yeah, yes. So that is, that is something that exists. There we go. To, to streamline kids from to high school it. into yeah. the trades. Yeah.
3: I think the disconnect is when you see the young kids playing with their sandboxes and playing with little toys or what have you or watching mom and dad do something around the house, DIY mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, I guess, in late grade school to early high school, that conversation is taken off the table. And now you're trying to reintroduce it towards later years of high school, mm-hmm. which the kid might not be interested in it at that point. They've been bombarded by other career options out yeah. there, and then now you're fighting the battle that everyone right here and is fighting. Yeah,
4: I love that idea of an introduction to something along those lines in in the latter years of your grade school, like grade seven, grade eight.
3: That's I think you the know, optimum I time to do for it for sure,
4: <laughs> and then yeah. have that opportunity in high school to yes branch out and select those those options whether it's woodworking or like it was when I was in high school woodworking auto tech but but like have that first little introduction I do love seeing all the DIYers online and when the ones where they have like their kids involved and stuff I like I think that's really cool I mean I was lucky I grew up on a farm I didn't really get a lot of opportunity to use tools but we were always those kids that was like we were helping whether we wanted to or not, but we were helping in some capacity because there was tasks. That yeah, because there was stuff that had to be done. Yeah. <laughs> we lived on a farm; there was always <laughs> I mean, stuff to do. There
3: was always something yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's it. Was a different mindset, but now totally. you're trying to get. And, and I'm gonna guess it's probably more immigrants getting into trades than locals.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Um, we. Um, I mean, we've been so hard pressed for so long that. Um, the sort of the, the philosophy that, that we embrace is one in which we don't really care where you're from or who you are or what you look like or what your preferences are. If if you're interested in doing the job and show some
3: potential, mm-hmm. you're one of us. You're yeah. in. We'll, we'll teach you, we'll yep. guide you, we'll share. Yeah. Yep. That's all we were asking for, right?
4: That's all I ever wanted. And that was when I first got introduced to Chris was through the WIS program. We had to interview someone who worked in the industry. And I remember having this great conversation and you, I could probably quote it because I had to, you know, I listened to it and sort of writ, wrote out the interview and it was like, you could be purple with four legs or <laughs> you know, really don't care. green hair, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was like, yes, like that's what I want, you know, and that's what, the only thing I ever wanted. And I was really lucky to find a good crew where when I got out on site... Didn't matter that I was a woman. It shouldn't matter, but it didn't matter, and they treated me like I was their sister or their brother, however you want to put it. And that's like that type of camaraderie. I think plays into the working environment as well too, but it's more inclusive, mm-hmm. right? And it it doesn't have to be anything overly politically correct it can just be inclusive like it's very much still a work site i mean i'm surprised i haven't sworn yet to be honest because i swear a lot
1: you're not
3: on the right right (laughs) job site (laughs) (laughs) how quickly was um i guess the gender how how quickly did it go blind because that's what i noticed like when i've had women on my job sites yeah i didn't care about the gender i cared about the skill yeah Right, so it's like I think you quickly go blind to yeah. the fact that this person is purple. Yeah, male, female, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, right. It, I felt it's about like the skill in the quick. conversation, the yeah. task at hand. What's going to yeah. happen today? What can you do? Okay, you yeah. want to get started. You get started, start setting up, yep. and you start paying attention to these little details. And you're like going, "Okay, this person's got the skills. Yeah, let's let him be. Yeah, for sure. Right? The yeah. only
4: instance where I've had maybe like was a little bit of an older gentleman who I was working with who is not was not born and raised in canada so i think uh historically and kind of culturally for them like women wouldn't have done those of course, tasks yeah. and it's from a kind place that they're like oh no don't do that i'm like i work out every day <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably stronger than you <laughs> but you know like it's so i don't take that by any means i'm not offended i'm just like no no it's good i got it i, I want to do it it's good you know yeah
0: yeah. And, and all, I mean, um, so, uh, inclusivity, uh, is, is essential. Uh, and that said though, every now and again, you get folks who just aren't wired for the job, right? The it's folks not for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And that's okay too. I, I think it's, I think it's good to give everybody a chance. Um, but it becomes really obvious, uh, in in just a matter of a few days or a few weeks, um, who doesn't get it
3: right. Listen, Chris, there's probably more than a few trades that if I were to go apply mm. and start working, I'd be sent home before lunch. Okay? <laughs> so it's like I know a few things about construction, but I don't know everything. So mm-hmm, it's just like mm-hmm. the kids getting into it. Don't be too intimidated by yeah. what you see, yeah. because there's always an opportunity to learn what you see. Yeah. Right.
4: I don't know about you, but in my program, in the West program, I, one of the things I absolutely loved, the teachers were always like, make your mistakes. Yeah. make your mistakes, yeah. you know, and, and that's how you learn. And that's how I learn. I Try not to make mistakes, but when I do make a mistake, Oh boy, do I remember it? You <laughs> know? And I, and I needed that. I needed them to not be like this kind of, amazing perfect woodworker i needed someone to be like no mistakes are normal that's gonna happen like come try it out was well, that that's your experience construction well?
3: that's the trade right you're supposed to problem solve and figure it out yeah
4: that's what i like about it
3: that's that's what's amazing about it on yeah. a daily basis so yeah. all you got to do is i mean i guess you guys were lucky that you found the right path early on a lot, a lot of kids don't find that right path right away early on then I mean, they get discouraged <laughs> right that's another uphill yeah. challenge
4: i right? mean it took me like how old am I now? It took me no. 30 some years. <laughs> no, to get but here, going
3: but into the trade and going into the industry and starting as yeah, an apprentice right. and then meeting like someone like Chris and, True. The, and then meeting yeah. other people because that's just you're gonna meet somebody else and so yeah. on and so on. And you Absolutely. start getting connected. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Versus well, a lot of people get on the wrong job site with the wrong mm. mentor and the yeah. person's just True. painting a negative oh. light about I think then they leave.
4: I think I also felt like as well, coming into it as a second career when I was applying I felt strongly that if I didn't find a place that didn't work out well for me that was okay and I was willing to try multiple different places until I found a place that felt good and it wasn't going to be in any way that that was like see ya it was going to be in a professional manner that allowed for me to maintain that bridge because I wanted to develop and we were talking about how small of a community London is like you can end up knowing someone who knows someone who heard that you weren't great like oh, yeah. so I think you know it's worth it to be respectful but at the same time I was confident in myself enough to know that okay if this isn't a, a team that I really get along with and it didn't have to be magic from the start but at least respect if it wasn't going to be there then okay that's all right I can find a crew that's going to work for me I know I can but
3: magic from the start <clears throat> have you found magic in the no <laughs> oh boy <coughs>
1: Sprinkles
3: of magic, a little bit I mean. of glitter dust.
1: Yeah, I love
0: glitter. <laughs> <All laughs> that, that, that said, that is there's nothing more wonderful than that that, that moment where a crew of people finally finds yes. their mojo yes. and they just they hum as one. Mm-hmm. It's yes. my favorite yeah. moment. You can feel
3: it. <laughs> uh, what 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 are the trends going on now? Like, what are clients asking for? What's I don't know. What's the favorite species of wood to work with these days? I don't know. Like, what's going on?
4: Man, l- oak for us for sure.
3: White or what red. White oak. White, White oak, oak yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, personally, or I walnut. love the way it looks, though. Yeah. yeah, and walnut. Will walnut ever go out of style? Yeah.
0: So one of the That's things... That's how we keep the price up. Yeah, <laughs> and one of the things I'm noticing, because part of the problem, too, is that the, the forests get cut down and, and these species become rarer and rarer. Um, it was a real shock to me, to discover that a lot of plywoods right now, especially the industrial grades, plywoods, being made out of basswood, or uh, also known as linden. Mm-hmm. Um, basswood, I, I've always been partial to it because it's great for carving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seasons beautifully. It, like, it air dries and, uh, and kiln dries beautifully in large chunks, so it's beautiful for turnings and carvings. Um, but it's starting to turn up more and more as a, as a plywood core.
3: Mm-hmm. Why are they using? Because it's available. Mm, we're running out of spruce or what's going on here?
0: I I, I haven't gotten gotten that deep into it, but um, it's certainly going to have to do with availability. Uh, I mean, I don't know how well...
3: If you birch? Th- is if not, you, or I guess birch is even going to be rare? I
0: think birch is, is quite rare now, okay. uh, relatively speaking, from an industrial perspective. Yeah. Uh, and then let's not forget all of the forest fires that have been raging wow. uh, for the last few years in the summers. Right? That's, I have no idea how much forest uh, that... Those fires have destroyed, but it's going to be significant enough to have an impact on the the, the, the plywood manufacturing industry. Like this year,
3: we're going to see this?
0: Uh, for basswood, we're already seeing it. Um, I've got lifts of plywood on the shop floor right now with, with basswood cores. So oh. that's a big change. You know, And, and then from a technical perspective, um, I'm sure that they've done all the testing and what have you, but this stuff hasn't been in the field for that long. So I don't really know how it's going to you respond. going
3: to be a lot of movement? I have no idea. I don't know. You won't know until you get it on site? Won't know until we
0: actually try it, yeah. Yeah, which is a little bit of a concern, but there it is. Things change.
3: America doing the same thing? Are they? I mean, I just always assume that American Canada is kind of in the there same. There really world. aren't
0: any. There really are very few Canadian-owned mills. Uh, they're all now owned by by larger American companies. So, mm. um, now that said, uh, I mean, we visited um, Columbia, the small mill that. Um, columbia uh, products yeah in uh, uh, uh cambridge um and they're actually harvesting um from local forests relatively local forests in northern ontario so that that was nice to nice to hear um and ideally uh in all cases uh, sustainably harvesting um the white oak um has certainly had its day it's not disappeared yet, but I think we'll see a little bit less of it. Um, live is it the edge,
3: grain that everybody loves—is that what it is? Or? Especially
0: with well, certainly with uh, with rifts on, but white oak, mm-hmm. oak often uh, offers uh, you know certain color characteristics that have been desirable in the same way that walnut did for a long time. Cherry
3: it just seems like everybody's home is just white oak nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whether it's yep. flooring, whether it's built-ins, yeah. whether it's kind of accent details, yep. or and we, we've been oak.
0: building white oak uh, accent pieces for. Um, almost eight years now. So how, how long can that be So sustained? the clients, so the, the, the yeah. market's asking for it. I mean, the um, uh, elm is something that we've recently turned to. Uh, and, and we might be a little bit ahead of the curve there. Um, my suspicion is that would be fairly short-lived because um, elm is just not a, it's not a popular wood. It's not available in large quantities for industrial purposes. Um, Any love for hemlock? Yeah, there's well, yeah, we're working on a large project right now where uh, the uh, the homeowner is um, is after a hemlock aesthetic, uh, mm. so we're sorting that out. On oh, which details are we talking about here? Ceiling panels. Mm. Ceiling panels. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and I mean we're talking about six thousand square feet of ceiling panels in this home. So
3: listen, I'd rather do that than drywall. Okay? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Like. As much as drywall people think that they're the best, they're not. Um, <laughs> I hate drywall. <laughs> only because I I wouldn't say it. I, I just, it's missed opportunity again. Yeah. Like it's so much square footage that you can do something interesting on it, right? Mm. And I guess it's also budgetary thing True. as well too, yeah. right? Yeah. It's relatively inexpensive. At, well, it's the labor mm-hmm. attached mm-hmm. to it, right? But yeah, there's so much opportunity on the ceiling to do something really unique, right? Mm. So but that's where you guys come in. It's challenging, though, for clients to sign off on that when it costs next to nothing to put the drywall up there and throw three coats and sand and paint it.
0: Mm. Love architectural details, though.
3: Have you ever visited uh, Falling Water?
0: Oh, gosh, not in decades. When I was a kid, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to go there one day. Yeah,
3: phenomenal. I don't think I'd be able to leave. No, I Have you guys
4: been to it? I haven't been.
3: I would love to see it yeah. in person. I know there's a yeah. whole tour thing. And, yeah, and, there is. Yeah. And it's like quite the fiasco to get in there and stuff. But yeah, there's like no a waiting no. list, right? I, I was lucky
0: enough to go in when um, uh, th- there weren't barriers and stuff. You, could, you just went into the house.
4: Oh, I was going to say, can you even tour inside anymore? Yeah, yeah you can. But it's, it's cordoned they, off. They closed in it areas. off during the
3: pandemic years. But right. um, I think they reopened it. everything is fine, but...
0: Yeah, very moving experience. Yeah, Yeah, I don't
3: doubt it, right? That's why I'm just saying there's so much opportunity where you can use wood in a home nicely, other than just debating about hardwood. Yeah. Like, I think that's the majority of clients in residential application. That's the scope of their conversation skills when it comes to woodworking. For sure. Hardwood and cabinetry in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, we get into um, heritage work as well, which is always interesting and and always involves some kind of a wood element, Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly When you guys are
3: doing that kind of work, is it, like, are you reverting back to photography? Like, are you looking at certain images of structures?
0: Depends. Um, Sometimes you've got remnants of the elements that are still attached to the house that you can Mm. use, so you can copy them directly. Uh, Sometimes it's photographic. Absolutely. It depends on the situation. Uh, I mean, London at the moment has got uh, seven distinct architectural heritage zones, districts. And uh, so if you're living in one of those districts, you've got some regulations and uh, guidelines to follow. Uh, And they often require that you are um, certainly, if not restoring elements that have been already previously removed, um, uh, then utilizing or storing existing
4: elements that have been there all the way along
3: it's challenging Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's what you guys are probably looking at going we want to try to work on that
4: yeah (sighs) i mean like i haven't had the experience to do a lot of like heritage style stuff there is and i've been like flirting with this idea in the long run there's this two-year program at perth's uh algonquin college's perth campus and it's the heritage restoration and timber framing Um, program. And I'm like very, very interested in it. I'm so, so interested in learning more about it because it's like old techniques, heritage restoration, old techniques. This I'm guessing is like what building windows, like hand building windows, carving, I'm guessing like all of these like classic woodworking techniques that unless you've got someone who you're learning from who's learned from someone who's learned from someone who's learned from someone, learned from someone. you can't like, get it from a book and you're not gonna get it on no. YouTube let me tell no. you. <laughs> no, you so won't. this is like I see it and I'm like oh I'm like so interested in is that. there a waiting
3: or like how do you No, I
4: mean like right now I want to focus on yep. getting my skills down with carpentry and so it's kind of like long term I'm thinking I'd love that and in level three you do timber framing so I'll get to dip my toe in a little bit in timber framing when I go back for level three. Measure so. 10
3: times and then cut, right? Yeah. And then get the person beside you to measure, measure it, it 10 times as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and don't be afraid to make a mock-up. Yes. Um, I love I, mockups. <laughs> one of the,
0: one of the, I mean, um, uh, attended a seminar recently on the 2025, uh, changes to the the building code so a very ambitious new building code coming up Um, probably a little bit too ambitious for the rollout they're looking at but it was reassuring to learn that heritage structures were exempt Mm. right so you got a little bit of a pass and so so the thing i picked up from this seminar was uh going forward um new builds and even additions would be held to a net zero standard yeah. A- acknowledging there's going to be a transition zone uh, in additions where you're heading into the existing house, but if it's a if it's a heritage uh, building, then it gets a pass. Yeah.
3: So what does that mean? Is everyone's going to start determining their homes to be heritage?
0: <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if this um, I don't know I don't know what the, that the Zero is. is.
3: Um, it's a, it's a marketing thing right now. Like, net zero is... Um, it's
4: like the gluten-free of the construction world. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good thats a good way to look at it.
3: That's a total... That's, a, it's a, that's an ideal way of looking at it. I think that um, the people are deciding on this... I go back to the politicians not being contractors. Mm. Like, they're the ones that are deciding this when they're not boots on the ground. So net zero is a... Fun, like, it's a catchphrase. You can just yeah. keep on throwing it out at everybody, yeah. but they don't really understand what net zero really means. Yeah and to now to force builders to build a certain way or use certain products, this is where I start That's getting weird. problem about because yeah. Net Zero is, is product-driven. That's why I say it's a marketing ploy. Interesting. Like what, kind of,
2: what kind of changes are you seeing coming
3: up. Probably talking about like insulation and sealing and building envelope membranes and things like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: no, and and Craig's going to know an awful lot more about that than than because uh, it's not really my area of specialty. But um, that said, I recall distinctly discussion in the seminar about having requirements around reglazing. So if you think about if you think about skyscrapers downtown. Right. At some point, all of that glazing material needs yep. to be replaced. When it does get replaced, it's going to have to be replaced at, to certain standards, mm-hmm. right? The, which are different from the standards that the stuff was installed mm-hmm. within the first place. So,
2: product wise, product wise, yeah.
0: product wise, yeah. But technique wise as well. Um, uh, certainly, heat pumps are are going to be uh, right, and they're well here. That, I'll give, there's I'll give there's you, a thing.
3: Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, technically speaking, if you want to start going net zero. Quickly turn digital measurements into efficiency gains for your business. With iGUIDE, you can turn around DWG floor plans within 48 hours, easily share project files with partners, and create 3D walkthroughs for your clients. Stop struggling with inaccurate measurements, manual processes, and inefficient project planning and collaboration. Discover how you can boost productivity and cut costs with a virtual demo. Visit goiguide.com forward slash AEC to connect with an iGUIDE specialist. Any time any trade, I guess specifically you guys want to hang in cabinet, you're gonna have to seal the vapor barrier
4: mm-hmm.
3: where that screw is going through. Wow, yeah. Who's doing that, and how are you doing and that? And how are you when the drywall's already up or the yeah. plywood's already up? Yeah. So you're piercing it. You're already mm-hmm. making holes. So technically, if you want to go the that zero route, you have to build a double wall cavity
0: yeah essentially what ends up happening one is, wall is uh, the insulation wall yeah, one exactly. wall is the
3: mechanical wall yeah. so now you can drill through the mechanical wall and not pierce the cavity mm-hmm. or cabin. you're introducing
0: right. strapping uh, that the wall cladding gets hung on, on to that the, the the cabinetry ends up getting hung to so yeah. and how
3: do you enforce that's what I mean it's like how do you enforce all this stuff to make sure that it meets these and, standards and all of this stuff is, st- is still in the process of being worked
0: out yeah. uh, so we're, we're, we're awaiting the guidelines that will affect us um, but we know they're
3: coming <laughs> it's a shame it's entertaining but it's a shame I, I don't agree with it, right? So I, I've always said it's more about building the structure properly and building anything that you build in the structure properly. Yeah. Um, so then, I mean, there's lots of projects that I've worked on that I don't have a single miter that's opened up.
4: Right. Amazing.
3: Because I did, like, if, if the building code was to teach you, all right, this is an <laughs> interesting exercise. Yep. If they were to teach you how to do a miter, yeah. how would it be written in their book?
4: Oh, in the building code? You mean yeah, in the
3: building code. Uh, would there be any glue?
4: Probably not. Um, they would say something very lawyer-speak. Yeah, like, totally. It's, yeah, Must be done no less than.
3: <laughs> and what's the tolerance if it does right. open up yeah. and what period of time that yep. it opens up versus yeah, yeah, a yeah. good work- worker or someone that cares about that trade. It ain't gonna split, yeah. Mm. Period. Because oh, yeah, this yeah. is what I've done. I clamped it, glued it, yeah. I nailed it properly. I did all kinds of stuff to it. So, so
0: I, I think that's one of the reasons why apprenticeship is so incredibly oh. important, mm-hmm. right? Because you're you, you've got this mentorship built right into the process of educating the next group of tradespeople, and um, you know the so part of that is not simply if you're if you're the mentor, uh, your education hasn't ended; it continues on, and. Um, yeah, it has to. It uh, should. Yeah, it should uh, because th- I mean, the rules around you change, the materials yep. change, right? Yep. I was just uh, I was expressing concern about basswood being used as yeah. a as a plywood uh, right. um, uh, layer. Uh, in, in, we'll, we'll know in time.
3: I mean, you're mm-hmm. like it's a slippery slope, Chris. Like the thing is, you start getting people who don't know construction making rules about construction. Mm-hmm. You're gonna start seeing a lot of composite materials being used in traditional construction techniques, which there's no history for it. Yeah. So we don't know how it's going to react in a structure. Yeah. you know I'm going with this, right. Oh, yeah. Like you might as well make all your studying out of plastic offcuts. And, and so we're, we're back. Or you to can't this. use that because you can't use petroleum. So you can't use any kind of diesel or fuel or compressed. You can't. So how are you going to build that then? So, so, so we're back to, to sure this sure will to press it together. Like, back to this I whole understand. idea of
0: communication, right? Uh, yeah, so so you know, we were talking earlier about mm-hmm. t- t- communication between the designer and the, um, you know, the folks who are doing the work between the the the, the, uh, the homeowner and and the folks within the organization. It'd be really nice if um, engineering could discuss a bit more with the the folks who are in the. Um, sort of top echelons of the trade yeah. uh, to work things out and find those, find those compromises. In the end, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a compromise with some scientific uh, uh, observation attached.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like they could spend a time and, and start inquiring about all the kids and what, why they got into construction, what they're learning, why they left. Like There could be a whole survey done about this and then also get the kids' opinions about how to build future homes. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's the younger generation that's figuring out how to build these homes better. We are kind of set in our ways, like we go in and we're building it to meet OBC standards. Right. But we've all seen that exercise. You put a glass of water at the edge of a table. That's minimum code. Right. But Now you're asking us to go maximum code, which means that a client can't build that. We have to use certain materials that we can't back Mm -hmm. because we've never worked with them. So it's like you're you're actually it's a recipe to fail at that point. Then your house won't meet the standard. I learned something really
0: interesting a couple of months ago. Uh, One of our neighbors, so we're in a heritage district where I live, so I've got to deal with the heritage guidelines, which is fine. Uh, One of our neighbors is continually dealing with peeling paint. Mm. Modern room? uh, The exterior. Exterior of the house. uh, Paint's often peeling
3: off his house. Something's not breathing.
0: Well, uh, modern building science was born, I think, think in the early 1930s during a moment when people began insulating their houses and so that that moist warm air on the inside of the house condensation would happen in the uh, you know as, as it was sort of leaving and getting into the colder area because uh, there's no envelope there's no real envelope and then um, you've got moisture pushing at the paint on the exterior of the houses as it escapes the house and so there was a period of two years where Painters in the United States, just straight across the board, wholesale, refused to paint houses anymore because they'd get gotten tired of being called back to repaint houses and being blamed for this peeling paint issue. And it was the birth of modern building technology and science, which is what is creating all of the building codes that we follow now. Um,
3: but the house is actually working better without it. What back then. We, and
0: what, we, what we've learned in the last decade is that houses need to breathe. And yeah. so this whole idea of sealing things um, <laughs> to within, you know, an inch of its life uh, is probably not a very good idea. So we've got issues around mold and... and uh,
3: Nothing is worse than walking around or driving around Little Italy or Little Portugal in Toronto back uh, in the 80s and 90s. Right. Where every house brick was painted. Yep. And then give it a couple of decades and every brick... Starts spalling. F- yeah. Yep. Wow.
4: We were talking about our two thousand homes just the other day in class, and it was such an interesting concept that I had heard previously but didn't really understand exactly what it entailed. And uh, yeah, that it was an idea to really try to seal up the house, right? Mm. And then it went horribly
3: wrong. But if you don't seal up the entire house properly, mm. and then also pay attention to the termination points where you actually have to have expelling going on, right? Then there's no point in doing anything, right? Yeah. So it's like you you have to go fully and understand the whole home yes. building envelope part of it, or you don't. The problem is that when you get a bunch of trades that are not on the same page, like you were saying, yeah. where you get into a ch- shop and everybody's on the, you guys are melding, per- that That doesn't happen on every single drop site, that's rare.
0: And, and again, communication across the board, right? It's um, uh, because the, the the new the new rules that are coming in, um, they are theoretical, right? And we mm. won't know how they're going to- They're not
3: practical. Nope.
0: well, and we're, we're not going to know what kind of a, an effect they have for another decade or two decades or whatever, right? And then we'll see. Uh, And so there's got to be this sort of willingness, this ability and willingness to have that discussion continually and to be continually um, revising our plans.
3: How often do you guys go in and start speaking to clients before you guys start, um, or do you guys inquire about how the building structure was made in this structure that you guys are applying your products to or building your woodworking in? Because that's going to affect it, no?
0: We've got a a project on the go right now that's... uh very unfortunate in the sense that um uh, we're there to do an addition um in the process of uh beginning demolition we discovered that areas so brick foundation um foam spray put in the back of it yep about 15 years ago up into the joists Trapped moisture. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so it, it's going to require a tremendous amount of remedial work before we can actually forge Star. ahead. Yep.
3: Um, so that I guess that basically it is like you guys have to have the conversation. You have to ask how much of the history of this structure do you guys know?
0: And and so it's commonplace for for us uh, just based in this this comes this comes out of experience to go in before beginning a job and cut some holes and yeah. open up walls and see what we're dealing with before we can really hammer out a, a price and a process. You um, have to.
4: I don't see any way around it.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, again, I, I'm not really privy to a lot of those interactions at this stage in my apprenticeship, but I have been on a job, maybe finishing some stuff up and been working with my boss. And he's like, all right, we're going to go over to this other site and we're going to do some investigating because this is, we're going to be moving on hopefully with this, you know, project, whatever it may be. And I need to see what's going on (laughs) up in there or in that wall or figure out what's happening. So I, I think that should be an integral part. It makes sense to me, because you can't expect the homeowners to have any sort of idea. Again, can't expect them to know what's going on, really can't expect them to have a good, like, uh, health history of their home, um, even if they've been living in it for uh,
0: and a you can have theoretical so. ideas about how a structure's been built, but until yeah. you actually open it up and have a look at the structure, you have yeah. no idea. And right. So some of the things you see, as you know, it can <laughs> surprise you.
3: It's, well it's it's really funny how you can go into a, a home's attic or a basement that's not been covered up or not been updated with today's technology or rules and compliances or whatever and it's doing well like Mm. you're talking about true two by fours true lumber true everything it's not spoiled it's not mold it's not deteriorated it's nothing it's not until building systems are put in place incorrectly for that dwelling that it starts to fail Mm. because it was working perfectly fine for the last hundred years right what happened? What was the difference here? What changed? Well, government mm-hmm. policy coming in and saying now you have mm-hmm. to add this and do this. And I'm like, well, that's going to affect long-term mm-hmm. this existing structure. Maybe you should start looking at the structure on what's working in this structure yeah. and leave it at that. That's yeah. how I'm looking at it. It should be right.
4: Yeah. It's one of the nice things about being a capital maker. <laughs> <laughs> I love the problem solving of it, though. And I'm and I I like so impartial to old things like my grandmother's home was built in the 1800s. Like the house I grew up in was built in the 1920s. Like I love these homes, but I also recognize that if I I would love to own a home at some point, but if I want to own an old home, I know for sure that there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm going to need to have to figure out. in it is my guess. Like in
3: what way to kind of maintain it energy efficient wise. Yeah.
4: I mean, I think like to figure out what can be done without ruining what's already going on there, right? Like maintaining what's allowed this house to stand for over a hundred years and be mold-free like you said, but then there's gotta be some places where there can be maybe a little bit more energy efficiency that comes into it. Oh, there's a thousand ways of doing it, right? right.
3: There's two things that I would say is just ask yourself whatever you start working on, whatever wall you open up, Mm -hmm. did marketing or politicians have anything to do with this (laughs) right now?
4: Is it (laughs) gluten-free? (laughs)
3: <laughs> basically so then if, if it didn't have it then why do we have to have it now yeah. because if you start implementing them now mm-hmm. that house is going to fail yeah it just yeah. will fail For which sure. is a shame because now yeah. it's a beautiful home right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and i mean toronto as far they just love knocking stuff down right yeah it sucks they're really famous at it right they just take it down and then build mm-hmm. something new on top of it which really sucks but any uh as we get closer to wrapping up um any interesting projects coming down the pipe that you guys are working on and looking forward to this year
4: Nothing, really. Nothing exciting? No. no. Yeah. I'm, like, excited to finish level two and get back to work.
3: No side projects or not nothing? Not yet.
4: Not yet. I got to get my tool grant. I got to get some more tools in my roster, which That's sounds easy. so ridiculous. Why? I not well, What kind of tools are you missing? Which one you, would oh, you I like? Don't have, I don't have any finishing tools. So, I mean, like, very minimal finishing tools. So, I don't have Brad nailer. Like, you know, I don't have a compressor or anything like that. So, right now, I, like, work with my coworker. Who's lovely and she's got a lot of the stuff so that i can be like hey do you need a hand <laughs> or hey do you need that this weekend And i borrow that from you i'll like buy you beer and pizza <laughs> that's
3: how it works
4: yeah i love and it then
3: eventually it's like yeah. they forget that you even have it then they're like oh i must have lost it somewhere
4: oh i don't think that works so well <laughs> with women
3: <laughs> no every man know. knows it too as well they know exactly where yeah. it is it was all never right, lost okay, all right it was just never given it's back just being nice yeah, that's yeah, all it yeah, was yeah. but you guys anything coming down the pipe other than the ceiling there you just can,
0: a baby. Yeah, you've certainly yeah. <laughs> I mean, a big project. That's a big one. It's, it's not, not a just project. a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's- and and for for us, we're working through a, a big rebranding. It's been an awful lot of fun. So uh, for the last year, we have been planning. Um, a new name, a new presentation to the, uh, to the public. Um, I really enjoyed being part of that process, uh, cause it's, uh, it forces you to think through a lot yeah. of things. It's what's got me, um, you know, what had me earlier uh, talking about the importance of having everybody on the same page, right? Everybody's playing from the same script. And, um, this is, I mean, this will be, uh, the nice thing about the the team that we're working on right now is we've all been at this for a while. So this is not our first rodeo. And so there's this opportunity to maybe get it right.
1: <laughs>
0: so that's what we're working towards. And that's, that's Chris, probably the biggest thing. you never get it right, thing. man. You'll, you'll, you'll keep on thing. adjusting. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> right. but, uh, but, it, but it's kind of fun to, to work with a group of uh, equally experienced people.
3: For sure. I have Problem to say. Solvers. Are you guys always looking for hires? Or like you... Actually, absolutely, always looking right. Yep. Oh, absolutely, someone's interested in coming on board. Student, yeah, no, really- we.
0: I love talking to people. Love bringing them through and giving, providing shop tours. Um, uh, I mean, we're 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 sort of we seem to continually be uh, a couple of carpenters short, and um, uh, so uh, adding to the team is a, is always a very exciting prospect. Um, the uh, and likewise uh, investment in technology. So we've got a phenomenal new edge bander coming uh, next week. What country are you talking about here? Uh, the, well, we, we're, we're picking something up from Holzer. Uh, it's a Holzer Edge Bander. Um, it'll be the fifth Holzer that I've had experience with. Where are
3: they from? It's German. That's what I thought. That's yeah. why I said, what yeah. country were we talking about? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it ain't Canadian yeah. Or so, and Canadian. uh so,
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the important decisions there had to do with. Um, uh, the service record of the, the company providing it and their, their proximity to the shop. So they're you know this side of Toronto, close to London. Um, the machine's got a, a good history. Um, I'm excited. To, it'll be my first CNC-operated edge bander. Uh, so we can actually see these graphics of the adjustments we're making. Uh, rather than going underneath the hood and adjusting dials, people will be able to make the adjustments uh, on the screen. Uh, and um, it's going to Put us in a position where we can effectively be working with a lot of the more modern materials that require some very specific tooling
3: looking for cutting-edge solutions for your spray foam needs look no further than elasticam specialty chemicals with a remarkable track record spanning over three decades elasticam stands as an industry leading supplying contractors across canada with top grade closed cell open cell and specialty foam products and accessories Experience hassle-free spraying in both summer and winter with Insulthane Extreme. Canada's groundbreaking HFO closed cell product. Time is precious and we know it. Optimize your efficiency and avoid downtime by choosing the best products with the best technical and customer support. Elevate your spray foam game today with Insulthane Spray Foam products by Elasticam. Give them a try today. Visit their website at www.elasticam.com or give them a call at one 787 2436 the veneers getting thinner? Absolutely. Yep.
0: And as More we, glue than veneer? Well, and as we get into more modern materials. Um,
2: matte finishes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. High gloss, mm-hmm. Matte finishes, high gloss finishes, different textured melamines. Mm-hmm. Melamines that look like wood. Yeah. Hard to edge band. With yeah, an no, old, no, no, an an old edge band. staying banner.
3: quiet because I haven't heard anything I like so far, right? Mm-hmm. This yeah, I know, I get it, but that's what the market. There's, there's a demand. There's a bit.
0: there's a
2: demand. Yeah, I know. And one of the things
0: to consider too, with especially with residential millwork, um, you know, it's not that we don't build things to last anymore. It's that in all likelihood,
3: um, clients don't want it to last.
0: There, yeah, the house is going to be what somebody's going to move out of their man? house twenty years down the road, and and there's going to be a new kitchen put in, or even ten years, or in some cases even five years. Uh, we build things to last, uh, but because the forests are becoming so stressed, uh, it is a really good thing to use some of these more modern materials mm-hmm. because it does offer a little bit of a rep- rep- reprieve to mm-hmm. these natural.
3: That, uh, I guess there's freedom to just remove faces, keep carcasses. Would we do this?
0: Sure. I, um, and it, it depends on the build. Uh, I mean, we're a custom shop, so we build things in a variety of different ways, but if it's a sort of a standard, cabinet build you're going to have uh melamine boxes with uh what you might call dressing applied the dressing can always be changed Yep.
3: i find a lot of the cabinetry these days just like a lot of gimmicks like all these little gimmicky things that oh man i'm going back to people who are designing these little gimmick things are not cooks they're not chefs they're not homeowners mm. They're it, just like, this would be really, really cool. You could put a thousand spices here. I was yeah. like, I don't have a thousand spices. <laughs> it's why it's need so my important. It's go to ones. Right? So yeah. important.
0: It's crucial, absolutely crucial to understand how someone is going to use that space. Cook. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Not everybody cooks. Yeah. And those who do really need a, a special space. Um,
3: put a phone in a drawer that calls Uber right away.
0: Yeah. Well, and so beyond kitchens, um, in terms of special projects on the shop floor, right now we've got a baptismal font we recently, which is when's the last time somebody made a brand new baptismal font for the church?
3: Right. Uh, nah. Well, in Europe, probably every week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fair, 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 fair. yeah fair. In Canada. But, but, I don't but know. in Canada, no. Yeah. Um,
0: we recently finished making an ark for a local synagogue, which was kind of fun. Uh, that was a great project. Wow. Yeah. Um, we've got a number of um, s- very thick, solid white oak uh, dining room tables uh, that we're doing with hand-shaped edges, um, and some very fine uh, handmade joinery uh, going into doors, uh, glass um, um, glass panel doors, mm. uh, but all all handmade on the shop floor. Uh, so these are these are really fun projects, and they offset the they offset what ends up happening sort of the the factory side of things where there's a bit more throughput and a little bit more white melamine Mm -hmm. right
3: here's a here's a question to ask all three of you guys for i haven't solved this one yet i'm just curious i haven't seen it yet either i've been scouring i don't think anybody's created it how would you transition a island going from solid wood to solid stone without just a joint how would you naturally blend the two materials together my first thought is like you kind of um create a stagger of some sort of you know what i mean Mm -hmm. sure but how would you do it so then it looks seamless that you're going let's say for argument's sake black walnut to some sort of white marble and you want to transition from the wood area which is a prep area to the serving area, which is a stone area. So are we thinking in terms
0: of geometric uh, shifts? Are we thinking about a
3: line shift first was geometric that I was thinking, would it work? And then I started thinking I would get tired of that shape. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Then I
3: started thinking naturally, would you go and somehow try to figure out the grain of the wood lining up with the grain of the stone? That'd be cool. Which was just like the dollar signs were just...
4: Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to suggest, actually, it depends on the, the wood and what grain you're thinking would transition into the stone. But it, I, I'm sure it's going to look dated, but I actually really like the look of the epoxy with wood. And I wonder if you could do something that you allowed could. for, like, a really neat transition between... And then I've actually seen stuff where then they, like, add lights behind it, which, again, probably is going to look hokey in, like, 10 years, but could be kind of neat to something that allows it to transition from the wood into the epoxy and then into the stone.
0: Or what about if you introduce wood dust and stone dust to create Mm. the overlap
3: from the stone to the wood, the wood from the stone? Yeah, I think a natural organic merging of the two materials would look absolutely amazing. I haven't seen it yet, but I don't know if someone's tackled it or tried it uh, because I always thought that that was a really nice way to put two types of material together and felt organic. Something, thought, I don't Mm know. That's cool. There's lots of ideas. I just keep on, I just don't know how to do them. You're flexing
4: that creative muscle. Yeah, that's right. I'm
0: I'm super excited about Mm -hmm. our new showroom kitchen, which is still in the design phase, but it's looking at mirroring a variety of different materials, Uh, cast metals. um, uh, Mm -hmm. We'll get into concrete stone, um, Mm -hmm. but also playing off of curves with um, uh, a variety of different metal laminates. Uh, It's going to be a real fun technical challenge to
3: pull this When's thing When's that going to be ready?
0: Uh it's in the design stage now. Um I'm hoping that we could begin prot- production in about 2 weeks. Um and then we're, we're probably going to need we're probably going to need two full months to get this thing done and in, which and then puts install. us up towards the yeah, but it's it's all in house and so um installation shouldn't be too big a challenge. Uh once again, in our organization, typically the person who's making the thing, if it's a custom thing, will end up being the one installing it
3: as well. So, Are you going to IBS Kitch or KBS?
0: Uh, prob- probably top? not. It's very possible that somebody from our design staff It's next is. week, right? Have you, got, yeah. you guys haven't been on yeah, it? has uh, been years since I've
3: been. Well, it's four years since the last time I was there, but yeah. I've been there too many times, right? I want to go over to Germany and look yeah. at what's going on there.
0: I we, we used to go a lot, and... Um, uh, I mean, I'll I'll bring it up at our at our meeting on Friday, but um, um, I think we're probably overdue for a visit.
3: I got to do the twelve questions, guys. Right. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure meeting you and talking shop. Wonderful. And, uh, uh, Chris McCaskill, here, director of Craft. <laughs> uh, Heather, sorry, what was your last name, Heather? Cummings. Cummings, and then Sarah Black Blackler. Blackler. Blackler, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh Millennium Construction uh, Design and Inc. and then Covenant Construction. Uh, and then also you can find Chris McCaskill on IG, you can find Covenant on IG. You could probably find Millennial on sure their I IG can. as well too. Yeah. You guys ready for these? Yeah. I, I don't think so. we did this when you were on the show. Maybe we d- I don't we think did we did. It.
0: We did. It was really fast though. It was really fast. Uh, I yeah. mean, the episode I was on, changed. there was a significant amount of swearing and a whole lot That's of back It was there. a ton of fun. It
3: was a ton of fun. <laughs> I don't know where Carlito was right now. He's MIA. What is your favorite construction word, guys?
2: Construction word?
3: Word. Word. <laughs> It fasten could be, it could be carpet fasten
2: huh? fasten
0: smooth damper
2: <laughs> <Smove> <laughs> oh.
3: damper yeah what's a smooth damper
0: it's got to, it's a it's a probably a um a um smove? A very sp- well its it's got to do with uh making um uh pocket doors uh in cabinetry and it's simply uh, it's simply this uh sort of material that runs along the side to close the gap up very important part okay yeah particularly with a uh, Salice um, uh, door systems Smove Damper S-M-O-V-E I would like to meet Mr. Smove someday
3: Ooh. he's on a beach
0: right now yep.
4: transom which is such a silly thing but I don't know why I like love that word I
3: love transoms I know and I love I the I miss word. transoms in the interior doors I know that's how you snuck They're in so to take nice. a look at the room that had all the Christmas gifts in absolutely oh, nice. there's no other way because you couldn't see underneath the door you can't see underneath so you have to climb and make yep. a really precarious ladder out go. of boxes. What is your least favorite tool? Mm. Oscillator.
4: Yeah. Oh, that's so annoying. I hate it. It works great. I hate it.
3: Some are quieter than others. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My least favorite tool.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. <laughs> okay. you can- I
0: hate shapers. Shapers? Shapers. Hate shapers. Well I'll still use one when it's necessary, but if I can avoid using a shaper, I will.
3: Nothing? Hmm.
2: It's gotta I be can't something I, I don't like. <laughs> but why?
3: You <laughs> like every tool.
2: I like them all. Aw.
3: If you don't have a least <laughs> favorite, that's okay.
2: All right. That's nice. Go again.
3: What construction sound do you guys love? But it could be carpentry sound that you guys love. Mm, let me think about that for a second. I love the sound of a tamper. Tamper? <laughs> duk, 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 a duk, jumping jack. Duk, duk.
4: Yeah, I really wouldn't think of that. Okay.
3: <laughs> love the sound of a tamper. Okay. I do. That yeah, makes sense.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm partial to the sound of a saw, of course.
3: Any saw, table, or miter?
4: Mm, I like a miter saw.
3: Miter saw? Yeah.
2: Maybe a router. Even a, even a CNC router would be, be fine. It's a
3: high pitched sound. <laughs>
2: duk, 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 duk. <laughs> Varying. Use those often, do you, Chris? <laughs>
3: Do you have one? you want one? No. no, but I love using them. <laughs> really? <laughs> what is your favorite beverage?
4: Mm, I'm going to go full tradie. It's a monster. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I'm really trying not to, but it's really hard. White wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. And I, I, I mean, my, my thing is a um, uh, Hendrix martini straight up with a twist.
3: There you go. Uh, what turn, or sorry, what's the worst and best part of this industry?
4: I mean, best part for me is like the satisfaction I get from building stuff, for sure. Yeah. Worst part is uh, I can't say working outside because I actually love working outside, but I I don't love being cold and wet. I actually don't mind being cold. Just like being cold and wet.
3: wet. I know, cold, wet. Sucks. Especially at the start of the day.
4: Yeah. And then, I mean, I I have like an entire wardrobe in my car.
3: Still leaves a, like, uh, yeah, you're cold all day.
2: Um, I think maybe the best part would be happy coworkers, Um, and worst part would maybe be repetitious work. Sandy.
0: Um, I had referenced uh, that, that magical moment when a, when a crew finally finds its groove. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely my favorite uh, thing working with other people within the trade. I love being, I love making things. I love being part of the process of making things. if, if there's one thing that I really dislike, it is working with people who are closed-minded, who, who want to see a solution in one way and one way only.
3: Politicians.
0: Sure. <laughs> sure. I, there's never...
3: Yeah. Favorite question. Or, tra- or course trainees. <laughs> so, sorry?
0: Or trainees.
2: <laughs> that only see things one way and they can't... They, they're going to do it their way no matter what. Anyway. Sure. Because sure, they, sure. learned,
3: they learned it online. Like this is the yeah, best way to do it. Probably. There's always there's always more ways to do it in construction. Oh, and there's always new ways to learn. Yeah. To do yeah. Construction. Absolutely. Favorite curse word.
4: Can I just say that? Yeah. Oh, cunt. For sure. Sorry. Don't worry. We, got, <laughs> we have plenty of Irish on oh, the
3: that's show. Oh, it's my favorite word.
4: I love saying it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> favorite curse word? Oh, probably fuck. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it was the same, same as it was last time I was on, uh, and I offended some people I know because I heard from them, but it's still holy fuck. Yeah.
3: You heard, and you actually replied?
0: I, I, I communicate with people, no, absolutely. No, no, I don't
3: reply to that stuff. I leave <laughs> it alone. Uh, favorite vehicle in the entire world? Oh,
4: my God, in the entire world. Vehicle?
3: Vehicle, any type of mode of transportation, anything at all.
4: I like my car. <laughs> Victory V92.
3: <laughs> Black? Blue. Blue. Dark blue or light yeah, blue? Dark blue. Mm. It's a
2: nice bike. Yeah. <laughs> I like my little Hyundai Vel- Veloster. The oh, Vol- they're
3: yeah. so cute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Velocity hamster.
2: My Velosa hamster that
3: fits hit, all of my install stuff b- in it. Like all of it. I Velociraptor.
2: So. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, Heather, Heather drives this incredible vehicle that is tiny, and somehow she managed to fit everything into it.
2: It's like Hermione's purse in um, <gasps> Harry Potter. Amazing. No it's like roof rack? N- n- never ending. No, r- no roof rack.
0: No? No need for one. It just packs. It just the all cheeks. fits. It just really, yeah. yeah.
2: It's a
4: hatchback, right? Yeah. I have a Prius and same thing. I can fit eight foot pieces of lumber in there. It's fabulous.
3: Until the brakes have to be applied harshly. No, you just
4: <laughs> you just put some padding around there. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I told you I have a whole wardrobe <laughs> in the back of my car. So
3: you just pack so they that. won't damage everything. Yeah. You see, like this square notch right yeah. in the dash. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right, the practical and the dream. I I really enjoy driving my F one fifty, but what I would love to have is a nineteen seventy three to seventy six Porsche 911 Targa
3: we going funky German color or we going oh I don't even care about don't even care about the color but uh, uh, I
0: well no you know Targa's what nice with the whale tail fair enough yeah mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I think I would have it like bright candy red
4: ooh
3: right why not yep <laughs> what do you guys miss from your childhood
4: uh, being on a farm
2: <laughs> I was going to say something similar living yeah. in the country yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, me? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I got dragged around to a lot of art galleries when I was a kid. I kind of oh, yeah? missed that. Yeah, we Aww. saw a lot of architecture, a lot of art galleries, um, which is all an experience that sort of, uh, I mean, it, it, becomes a, it acts as a filter for me today. Um, you know, a way of sort of setting up uh, the way I view work in the world.
3: I like that. What profession other than your own would you guys like to attempt one day?
4: Mm. I'm going to think on that for a second. Carpentry. <laughs> I just, I love
0: <laughs> structural engineering.
4: Structural engineering. Yeah. Honestly, if I could sit all day, which I can't, I cannot sit. I'm not a person who can sit. I got to do something. I feel like it'd be really cool to be like a large machine operator or like a crane operator or crane something. Off. Like, uh, oh, anytime I've but driven. you yourself. I, <laughs> I do that already, though. All so. day long. Or I could listen to podcasts. Yeah, Uh, you
3: could, uh, but you still got to pay attention to what's going on down there, right? True, I guess.
4: Well, see, that's out then. (laughs) What
3: profession would you guys not like to do?
4: Work in the service industry, because I've done it. Well,
2: not food service industry, but retail. No, thank you. Mm, Anything where I'm sitting. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: love my accountant. I could never do what he does.
3: Mm. No. Last question, if heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates?
4: All your familyhood, all your family childhood pets are waiting for you. <laughs>
3: Rolling down the hill.
2: Yeah, that's a weird question. You've done what you were supposed to do, or oh. something like that.
0: Do you prefer shaken or stirred?
2: <laughs>
3: guys, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank making you. I really appreciate having it's you guys. Great. And come back anytime. And I know all it's right. a little bit of a trek, but I'll get to you guys this summer. And check it out, right? That'd be so marvelous. I'll Thank I'll you I'll very do a much, Manny. Tour there, and I'll put on the PPE and and what? <laughs> what? <laughs> we, love, we, we would love to have you. Um,
0: the uh, yeah, no, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me back on. And oh, uh, always and, You know how, how nice it is to uh, to, yeah. to bring a couple of uh, new uh, new folks out.
4: Fantastic experience. Thanks so much for having Thank me. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: yeah. right. thanks so much. That's
3: <laughs> it. We're all done. Thank awesome. Out of here. Thank thanks, you. guys. All right, Angelina. We're